You've been making your brags around town That you've been loving my man But the man I love when he picks up trash He puts it in a garbage can And that's why Boodle boys I'm Mark Bog Beef Fredo Still got it? Never lost it Let's get that money R.I.P. Loretta Mm-hmm. She's from my neck of the woods, I believe. Butcher Holler in Kentucky, in the Appalachians. Uh, the coal miner's daughter. That's damn straight. You know, once musicians get going and they start touring and shit like that, and I'm um, sorry, uh, touring and stuff like that, things sort of settle out. However, there is like one of these things, you know, people talk about the, the new country, the old country, it's been done to death, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, murder on Music Road, blah, blah. However, there is a real deal thing that um, her parents didn't have two nickels to rub together. Uh, Willie Nelson, poor house. Hank, Hank Williams, senior, poor house. And, um, you know, when, Pass and like, climb. It, it really like I mean really all of them uh, I mean some of them I mean and you know Hank and like I don't I don't think coming up hard is like makes you better or anything but however when when like um when your job it's sort of like uh, I don't think being taller makes you a better person than someone else you could be you can be a pos and be tall however if you're trying to play basketball being tall can be useful I mean it, it does make you better at that. If your if your job is is pulling heartstrings and singing songs about feeling sorry for yourself, well, I mean, uh, I mean, I know more about like Hank, like Hank Williams's youth was was horrible. I mean, he like was his first when he was playing, he would play outside his mother's ran a whorehouse, and he would be playing to like uh, get people's attention so they would come in. Like I'm talking like. You know, nobody. There's no electricity, dirt floors, etc. And so this kind of, that, that kind of thing. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, I'm. I know. I told you. I don't think I told the podcast. Patsy Klein was my granny's first cousin, maybe second cousin at most. And but and, wow. Like, well, the thing is, you you know, like the story is her father was a piece of crap who just basically abandoned her. Right. Well, that was. That was the guy. So it wasn't like she was, she wasn't showing up to family reunions or anything, understandably. So these people of that time, I mean, so part of it is them overcoming. I would say like George Jones is like, um, uh, I, I, nobody says like, I don't, George Jones is like at the cream of the crop. One of the interesting things about, about Jones is like his best years in the business was like when he was like in his fifties and sixties, because basically uh, he wasted his, Every like his twenties through his forties, just being drunk constantly. He just didn't. Uh, and you can call him No Show Jones. So when you don't show up to a concert, you sold tickets to people. People stop calling you. You know what I mean. And so, uh, however, the story that we love is that he overcame it, even though he was, even though he was older. And, and these people, they, they, these conditions they grew up in, like you know, they, they were horrible. And however. This is like the story of America, you know that they, they, they it was uh, they did rise above it. Yeah, I mean, this is would it be too far to say like that? That's like the the was the dream behind like rap music, right? To get out of the ghetto, like this is a way you can get out of the ghetto. Yeah, this is a way you can tell your stories for people like in, in a relatable way. Like, like well, like bluegrass and country music in in that era was exactly that. 
for white for like white trash like us. Yeah. By the way, like uh, I am, I am a, a descendant from uh, Aeneas from from um, from yeah, uh, the Trojan War. Yeah. Right. If if you have to pick an American like to be a, a you know your your descendant from Jupiter or Mars or something, okay. So there are the top tier country musicians like Hank Williams Senior, uh, George Jones, uh, Redheaded Stranger, all this all those kind of guys. However, like the thing with Elvis and Patsy Cline is they they're they have kind of they're not like they're sort of like a third not human. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know if you know, but so there, there's like all these urban legends about how Patsy Cline got her voice because her voice is not like other people's voice. And maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it's, um, you know, it's possible. Maybe she does. Maybe she just did. And it just sounds that way because we made something out of her. I don't know. However, I mean, uh, and same thing with Elvis. So, you know, people say Elvis could sing two, two notes at the same time. I was gonna say this. This this reminds me of like Elizabeth Taylor with the purple eyes. You know, I don't know that one, but that that sounds that sounds on the money. It's not like a completely unheard of thing, uh, but she had violet eyes, like in real life. So that's what they, one of the things people used to say about her. That's such a uh, an anomaly, similar situation. Right, and see, the, like the thing, like is like Hank Williams Senior is is like us. He's a you know he is a fallen human on Earth. However, Elvis, you know, and Elvis and and Patsy Klein, they are they're kind of like visitors. You know, they're kind of like uh, uh, angels or something. You know what I mean? This yeah. is sort of like how the, the it's it's how it, the the mythos gets built. You know what I mean? The the story for for her was that she got sick with like scarlet fever or something, and that that gave her that like. That gave her her voice. Yeah, it's like it was like divine intervention. They weren't they weren't just mere mortals. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like you can you can practice and sing and and go and go to the Opry and you can sing like George Jones. You probably can't. However, you know he is a human being. Patsy Cline, Elvis, they're not really supposed to be human. They're kind of uh, a little bit. It, it, it doesn't mean so much above. It's just like they're visitors. They're they're, they're like angels or this kind of thing. This is this is kind of how the, how the the mojo gets going. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That and it, you tied it to like the whole Greek thing in a, a while back, and like that's, I mean, I think that that impulse is like a lot of why you would get those stories that someone was like, oh, like Zeus had sex with this guy's mom, and that's why he's like so like otherworldly at like X Y Z skill. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and by and like by the way, I've heard several stories about how uh, Patsy Cline's voice came. Someone said she fell off a horse or something. By the <laughs> way, like you know, in in the classic stuff, like in in antiquities, like there's like three or four stories how every how like you know how Rome was founded, all these kinds of things. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. doesn't just. Uh, I was I was just you know how every every once in a while uh, the same way that you'll go off on guitars, I'll just start sending, uh, non-consensually sending you guys uh, facts about John Stockton, because I love John Stockton. One of the day I read that he, his, he had a resting heart rate of 35 beats per minute. Like, that's not, that's that's kind of inhuman, right? Like, yeah. And that, you're, di- you're that, built different, literally, at that point. That's another one. And it's, like, almost everyone that has that, I don't know if, like, phenotype, if I'm using phenotype the right way in this in this situation, but... 
they end up doing something like amazing. Like, you know, John Stockton was this like amazing basketball player for 20 years. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he, he was our age and he was like still playing at a super high tier in the NBA. Yeah, exactly. Lance Armstrong, which I mean, even aside from like the blood doping or whatever, still was obviously an amazing cyclist. And he was like that too. If I remember Cal Ripken jr. Yeah. Yep. I've, uh, I was telling you guys before the show, I heard this about Ric Flair. Uh, cause you know, these, the professional wrestlers, you know, you could look at their body. Some of them were in like insane shape. Uh, however, like, you know, a bunch of them were fat guys. However, like, uh, when you do tryouts, when they like, see if you're, if you want to get into wrestling, you base like, basically you have to have insane cardio because, uh, I don't know if you've, people have ever grappled or boxed or something. You just gas out in like two or three minutes, just mm-hmm. like sort of when you're sort of pushing on the weight of another person, you just sort of, you're, it's gone. It's like that, bo- that boxing match between Sam Hyde and whoever the other guy was like <laughs> within the, in the first round, they're both just like goldfish flopping around trying to gasp for air. Cause like that's, if you're not, you haven't spent your entire life training as an athlete. You're, it's going to be hard. They make it like like Mike Tyson. Yeah, he made it look easy for real. Well, I mean, you know, the heavyweights, the heavyweights don't really, uh, the heavyweights kind of like punt. They they like are in great shape for like three rounds. After mm-hmm. that, like even when Mike Tyson's, if, if he's knocking somebody out in the in the eighth round. Here's a, I mean, he's leaning on the guy for half the thing. You know, the, how are, you know, the little, the little Mexican guys, that like, you know, the little flyweights and stuff, they sort of punch hard for like, you know, 12 rounds, no problem. Cause they, there's, there's not much meat on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. That when, you know, the last time I paid attention to wrestling, they were starting to bring in like, was it, was it Guerrero? Whatever the, who was, the, who was the, Guy who was like he was kind of lucha libre themed, but he was he would fly around in the uh, ring in WWF. Was it Guerrero? Eddie Guerrero. Guerrero. Yeah, there yeah. you go, Eddie Guerrero. Like you would have guys like that, and they were just in a different. They were like doing a different thing than you know Hulk Hogan, who's like just gonna try to body slam Andre the Giant or something. Like this guy's doing something different. It would make you tired just watching him jump around. Yeah. Um. Uh, what was so someone says, yeah, in terms of, of legendary stories, the Wade Boggs story, that's, that's one of those things that definitely could become ancient myth. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard that mm. Wade Boggs. Uh, I don't know. Was he like, was he third baseman or something? Yeah. Third base. Damn. Uh, I, I wish facts like that weren't clogging up my brain. I don't even like baseball that much, but however, uh, I will make an exception for, for Lord Boggs. By the way, that's a good name, Boggs. I like that. But um, but third base is a little bit, a little bit scary too. I played it like in little league, and it was like you get some balls hit pretty fast at you because like most people are 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 pulling towards third base. I got clocked in the balls a couple times. Yeah, the, the that's why they call it the hot corner in baseball. Yeah. I I I hated playing baseball. The um the thing I hated the most was getting these getting your, your, I don't know exactly like, uh, getting these little stingers in your hand. Like if you catch the ball, just like 1% oh, yeah. wrong, you just, your, you just, your hand stings like crazy. Um, you know, if like there's, if you didn't, if you just grab a regular ass mitt and anyways, um, but yeah, <laughs> Wade Boggs supposedly drank like 132 beers on a single flight. Oh uh, yeah. I had heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. He also famously ate, uh, fried chicken before every game. 
<laughs> like that was his pregame meal. Like he wasn't eating like no fancy like protein shake or not that kind of stuff. He would just have like one of the like like the locker room attendants like run to the nearest KFC and get him a giant bucket of chicken. Yeah. Uh the boxers used to smoke cigarettes before a boxing match. There was this the Doc the Doc Ellis story. I don't know if I believe it, you know, where he 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 dropped the acid and then he threw a no hitter. I don't know if I entire that 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 just stretches credibility pretty far, doesn't it? But, you know, how, how would you know what acid's like? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the uh, anyways, um, let's see. Uh, he, he, okay. Anyways, I've got a story. <clears throat> um, okay, so you guys, uh, Merrick, you're a big movie guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I was looking looking at the new. There was a lot of a lot of buzz about this new movie coming out. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> it's called Bros. <laughs> yeah, you heard about this uh, from Twitter. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, were you in line in line at the box office for that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, I'm glad you brought this up because when you go ahead and go with your part, but I got something to say about it too. Uh, yeah. By the way, I had a rack of I had a rack of ribs before I walked on the job tonight. <laughs> Um, by the way, like, do you know, um, do you think that there's any like legal things about like, um, is it like illegal? It, I would assume there's some kind of legal or workplace stuff about like, could Tom Brokaw go on the air drunk, not drinking on the air, but just being loaded. You know, Cronkite was tossing them back before he went on. Uh, yeah. That probably happens all the time. I was I was thinking about this because um you know Twitch is like there's people on Twitch that people watch more than um than uh, uh than the regular TV. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, going by what Hellbilly Algy told us about <laughs> about ratings, yeah, there are like Pewdie, PewDiePie would have been a, a network TV star, you know, going by viewer count. Yeah, and um you you can just like get loaded on Twitch, there's no problem. People just like uh you know chug Jack Daniels. Uh, uh, bong tokes, like there's nothing, no problem. <laughs> the reason why employers, I mean, don't, I mean, don't let you do that is because they're worried about like in Twitch doesn't matter because it's just you, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason they don't want you doing that is because they're worried that you'll do something to another employee, like you're gonna grab some chick's butt, <laughs> or, you know what I mean, like something like that, and then. The employer is going to get in trouble saying like, well, you were negligent and responsible for this because you didn't properly have a, a policy, you know, to prevent people from, uh, you know, working drunk. Yeah. yeah. After having to edit whiskey bent and Twitch bound, I feel like I was somehow abused by my co-hosts drinking during the, a, a podcast performance. That was that was fun. That was yeah, it was, was that was really fun. Yeah, I should have like people asked me what episodes and uh, it, it would it, I did it like it was like a gimmick like the the cage match or whatever. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna do this episode loaded. Plus, like it was a way to to because it's like a it's like a serious subject matter. That's kind of weird. It's like um, how are you gonna tackle the sexual assault story? Well, we'll get loaded, make a big. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, the, I'm sorry, but. Whenever like I hear that someone was accused of like sex, like inappropriate sexual behavior, like it used to be, you knew that meant well. That guy, he grabbed somebody's ass, he wasn't supposed to, or he like you know he slipped somebody a roofie. Like he's in trouble. He did something really bad. Now it's like maybe that happened, or maybe he had a shitty date with somebody who knew somebody at BuzzFeed. Right? Like ever since that uh, 
Who's the little Indian guy who does the same role? Aziz Ansari. Thank you. Yeah, he's like, like he plays it. Like imagine, like if you were, you know how we were talking about Burt Reynolds, and you were saying like to be Burt Reynolds, you have to be cool. It's like he's the he's like the inverse version of that, right? Yeah. Like he yeah. has to be the nebbish little dork for that for his roles to make sense. And like this woman went on a date with him, and he was he's that person. And she got so disappointed that she ruined his career by basically yeah. calling him a sex criminal. That there's that, and then there's the situations where like someone's just trying to be nice too, and like they may not know the current rules, right? Like, I mean, <clears throat> where I grew up in the time I grew up, and I have a feeling it's going to be the same for both of you guys as well. Like, if you were just like, I don't know, you went by a woman's desk and you said, "Oh, thanks, sweetheart," you know what I mean? If she gave, if she you gave you something off the copy machine or whatever, you know, or if, I mean, even if it's like a blue collar job, but you said something like that to a coworker who looked you out, uh, that was just like a nice, polite thing to do. Right. But now that could be could go in a totally different direction. Yeah. As Southerners, like it's, it's kind of, it's wrong that we're not allowed to say, well, thank you, darling anymore. You can't, you can't call your coworkers darling. That's, that's, com that's completely against our culture. We are being oppressed. Yeah, the, uh, this, this is one of these, um, you know, Michael Lynn wrote about the, the redneck Italian alliance. This is one of them. Um, you know, I was <laughs> I was shocked. Uh, I've told people before, if you go to Miami, I don't know if they still do this after uh, uh, social distancing, before social distancing. When you meet people, I don't I know as an American, like when you, you remember watching like The Godfather or you see European stuff on TV. Not only there's there's two things that, that they really stick out. Number one, the men they wear the uh the banana hammocks to the beach. That's kind of that's kind of intense. You know what I'm talking about? That used to be a European thing, but I guess it's also an American thing now, right? I I don't really ever see people at the mm. beach in America wearing it. I, I, don't, I, I don't, don't either. Ever... I just I just kind of assume like maybe in Miami they do that. I've no, never seen anybody no. like the Outer Banks rocking the. Okay, so it, no, it is still I've European. Okay, I've only ever seen it in Europe and in Latin America. Uh, men do it too. If if depending anything, on what country you're in. If anything, we're probably influencing them more. Like I've heard that uh, French women don't go topless on the beach very much anymore. Yeah, I've read the same thing it's that right. like Americanization has sort of uh, taken over there with regard to beach attire. So that's, I don't like that. Like, uh, yeah, the French women should do that, and then American women should not do that. That's just like one of the things. You're you're so caring for their culture over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying we gotta have some differences, right? You gotta th you, they gotta throw in the lederhosen in October in Germany. You, you just can't have everybody be the same boring ass. This is this is the Chinese people. They don't like to go to um, uh, China anymore. They have this thing where that you know they're like, I want to see I want to see guys in the horizontal stripes with berets, uh, with the uh, with long cigarettes, baguettes, and this kind of stuff. And they they're like, um, you know, they're they're too cool for school for that. So they're like, fuck this, uh, exactly. And you know, people come when they when 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 Asian people come to America, they want to see uh, Disney World and cowboys. Especially the cowboy yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, every once in a while, like some Euro person will say, like Americans don't really have their own cultures. Like we, uh, what, what the hell is we think a cowboy is? That's the most American thing on the planet. I people well, say, well, technically, Ar they were invented in Argentina. Nobody cares. I'm sure the baguette wasn't invented in France either. But that's that shit's French. Just deal with it. 
The reason we, we people make Cowboys cool. Sorry. The reason people think that and believe that generally about American culture is because like our stuff is exported everywhere to the point that it's <laughs> yeah. universal, right? Like actually automobiles and movies are two big thing parts of American culture, right? I mean, even now we're one of only a few countries with like a significant motion picture industry. It's like the it's basically just like the United States and India. And now I guess China probably does too, right? Like there are, there are not that many, uh, France to like a less, lesser extent, but there are not that many countries with like large motion picture industries even now. Like that's a very, very American thing. And that's just one example. There's a million other little things like that. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, you know, the, uh, country music has this big cowboy thing and like, there are some guys in country music who like are had like legit cowboy background, and I, I'm like, um, uh, you know, growing up on a farm and stuff like that. Uh, people like George Strait or um, uh, who's who's the guy that that uh that banged Pretty Woman? Wow, <laughs> love it! Wow, love it! I love Wow, love it! Awesome. <laughs> He's like, uh, he's like the, you know, the, uh, the guy's like, well, I'll never get laid. Like, you know, I'm, I'm five foot eight or something like that. That's what, that, that's what Lyle love it's for. It's like, no, you just gotta, you gotta believe in yourself. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> Cause he's, he's got, he, uh, you know, that phrase that a face only a mother could love that is, yeah. that is, that is Lyle love only a, mo- only a mother and Aaron Brockovich could love it. Yeah. Yeah, man, he must have been been uh, he must have been pinching himself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> anyways, um, well, by the way, like, didn't she like before she did like uh, Richard Gere or something, right? I uh, I don't know. I'm not yeah, I'm not up on my '80s celebrity gossip. I was gonna say because uh, he is a real man compared to a uh, Richard Gere. But anyways, he is a real cowboy. <laughs> he is a real cowboy. However, for the vast majority of country musicians, and this is like the thing around the world too. Like Hank Hank Williams Senior. He you know he was the drifting cowboy, all this kind of stuff. He had never seen a uh, he. There was no there were no cowboys in South Alabama. What he didn't want to be a uh, uh, a work on a farm. He wanted to be James Arness. He wanted to be uh, on. Uh, he wanted to be John yeah. Wayne. Or whatever, whatever these these things were. He wanted to be with the guys on the cowboy show. Well, you, you know, you know why this is, and this could either be a white or a black pill, depending on how you look at it. Like when Johnny Cash was coming up, when when all these guys were were young, like there were a lot of people who lived in grinding poverty. Like there are a lot of white people who lived in grinding poverty. Well, like you know, because like you know, Patsy Clowns remember my family. Uh, her family life was awful. Uh, the family life of my grandparents were awful. The family, like the life that my mom and dad had, and the life that I had, certainly way like multiple steps up, right? Even if we complain about you know, com- complain about the tr- the tr- you know, the problems of being a chud, you just you're n- you're not worried about where your next meal is coming from, right? There there are still people who live like that, but. They're generally not the people who make country music. It's like like the, the success of the you know working and middle class in the mid twentieth century <sighs> changed all that. Does that yeah. sound crazy? Or you know. And also, I'd like to. I think I can make apology for all that. Like, um, you know, were the people the people in those times, like in in Hank Williams' time, were they like uh you know degenerates who had taken taken things too far? They were no. They were living in grinding poverty. He never saw his dad because he was always um, 
you know, uh, working on, you know, you like to get a job, then you would just jump on a railroad until you saw found guys cutting down pine trees. And then you would just like walk up. Yeah. And if your dad was a rambling man, that didn't mean like this, the state was going to send you money or the, whatever. They were to garnish his wages. Like that just meant that you, you're going to have a shitty life. You're not going to have any money. It was hard that, time. The South was hard times. And you know, these things like prostitution and stuff like that. I mean, you know, his mom ran a prostitution house. What, like, it's not like she was like, "Well, I'm not going to be an accountant. I'm going to get <laughs> get off. a sex worker." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, going to say she's she wasn't like uh, you know writing articles in Jacobin about uh, sex work <laughs> is real work, etc. Yeah, I mean, we know people that like. I mean, the, the, that's what like you know the things like. Well, you know, I got I got the law degree, but I think I'm going to uh, you know uh, check pictures of my butthole on, on OnlyFans instead. Yeah. Yeah. Either or it could go either way with this. Yeah, and uh, and uh, we'll be back on the butthole thing in a minute. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, and by the way, in the Mex the Mexican redneck thing at, at its at its height is is at the the cowboy thing. There, if you go to a uh, well, I bought my cowboy hat. Uh, if you go into the a lot, oftentimes the Me Mexicans will have their own stores. However, like for the if you if you want like the really good. If you want some really like sick boots or a hat or something, uh, then there will be you'll be rednecks and Mexicans in the store. Well, my my theory on this is simple, and I already kind of laid it out. And whatever it might be, rap rap as a art as a music form sucks. It's stu it's stupid, but like you you understand the appeal. Like this is if you were listening in the ninety in the late eighties nineties. This is like one of the few demographics left at that time where you could get like you could get the the Johnny Cash upbringing. You can hear somebody who lived that life, you know, sing sing their music, right? You 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 couldn't really you weren't going to get that on CMT unless you were watching somebody like George Jones, like the, all the the young people. Like, I don't think Toby Keith had that kind of upbringing, right? I don't think I don't think the uh, Florida Georgia line or whatever were living in, uh, you know houses with dirt floors I, I i seriously doubt that yeah now they don't have to be to be good no you can see uh uh hank williams jr um you know he's he had obviously he he had pretty good i mean his dad obviously was was out in the lunch but um uh yeah what was i gonna say it all changed after campbell went rhinestone yeah <laughs> by the way you know the guy that made um there was some gay guy that made all those big rhinestone uh um, uh, you mean Liberace? No, I mean they, they were all those those crazy rhinestone suits that like um Conway Twitty and, and and all these guys would wear. I think that same guy he made some of those robes that uh that Ric Flair wore. That would make a lot of sense. Nudie, yeah, that's, that was his name, Nudie. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, this this is a little, a little side thing, but um, uh, you we're we're doing we're doing um. Uh, X Files again this week, right? That's right. Did you watch the second episode? Yeah, I watched it in 1993. Well, yeah, I watched it recently. No, not yet. Okay. Um, yeah, probably. I, like I like to watch it like the the day or two before we do it, and then so I can it's fresh, so it's hot off the press for me. I, I sh hang on. I should go back and finish this story. Uh, so this thing about uh the the how are you do darling thing in Miami. I, I've said this before, and I, it's just it's just true. Like Miami culture is basically like Italian culture. I'm not like basically it is. Even like 
uh, the Puerto Ricans will be like they wear they have like blowout haircuts and you know like they everyone the black guys the Puerto Ricans the white guys everyone dresses like they're Italian. You, have you have you been there? Have you been there, Freda? Do you agree with this? Yeah, I've been to my. I mean, I'm not very familiar with Miami because I've only been there a few times. Uh, I don't live in that part of the state, but yeah, from my experience, yes. Yeah, and uh, the, one of the things they do there is that when you greet someone. By the way, I, I, I jumped off. We jumped off the path at the banana hammock, but uh, <laughs> that's one thing that you see. It's like what the hell? Like in America, you wear that if you're if you're going for the 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 key the, party. The, the key party or you're trying to win gold in the butterfly stroke now but the other thing they do that's crazy is, uh, as opposed to that's why they send the cast of the jersey shore there in season two yeah it's uh, you you don't like if you really walk around miami you will not you will probably not see a you will see like 10 uh yankees hats to every marlins hat <laughs> The other, the other funny thing is just that like when you see like 10 guys of every different race and they're all like trying to look Italian because they're, you know, that's, but I don't have a problem with it. They're, they're like assimilating. You know what I mean? But anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, the, there's the banana hammock and the, the what was the, the, um, you know, hell, maybe I've lost it. The rhinestones. No. What's the, mm. oh, when you greet, when you greet people, you, you, they kiss on the cheek. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean that's that's a classic uh, throughout the Mediterranean in Europe. One of the one of the funnier stories was like during the like the pandemic when they were trying to make people wear masks in France. Uh, people when they would greet each other would take their mask off and kiss each other and then put their <laughs> masks back on because like they couldn't like mentally process the idea of not kissing hello. Well, this is what I mean. <laughs> Can you imagine you, just, you meet you meet your boy like hey what's up buddy and then you just. Smoochies right on cheek. I, I can't. I can't. I can't even envision that. Uh, Pixie says so. Blacks just dress like blacks in Miami. Some do, but like if you go to the club in Miami, every guy like is good. Like ninety percent of guys. I guess it depends on what club you go to. But like uh, if you go to a club on South Beach, you will see black guy, Jewish guy, uh, white guy, every kind of guy, and they all dress like they're on Jersey Shore or whatever. Uh, it's just true. Even, even black guys. Anyways, the, the kid, the, the kissing thing. Um, and so by the way, this is one of the things that the left is better at because basically the left just has like all this, like there's all this money and stuff. So there's no, like, there's no free agent, right wing people that sit around and think about like, um, uh, you know, linguistics or, or like the basics of, of our lives. However, like, you know, the left has like, we were talking about, uh, Jeet here is like, um, you know, some university has to pay him like, half a million dollars a year to, to, to study comic books and shit like this. So, the, <laughs> and, but they will, they will write about these, these sort of like uh, deep things like, uh, you know, like greetings and stuff. So, but by the way, that thing about the mass versus the greeting, the way you greet people, I mean, in terms of cultural tradition, you don't think of it that way, but however, that is like, that is some deep stuff. And like, when you lose that, I mean, you like, you probably, no one will probably understand what will change about their culture, but I'm sure things ch will change. Uh, which by the way, I remember reading articles after the, the pandemic thing in Miami where they said, we don't know if it's going to come back. Anyways, the, 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 the point of story in Miami that you kiss on the cheek. And like, when I first went there, I was shocked. Like, I, like, I, like, I just stood there as stunned when the first, the first time somebody did, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I've got personal space here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm an American. We, you got, you got to chill out eventually, but, but however they, they do that there. I don't know if they still do that. I mean, that's it. 
Miami seems like a very Mediterranean place. Just it, it fits. It makes sense. New Orleans <laughs> too, kind of. Well, uh, well, New Orleans has changed. <laughs> New Orleans has changed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. Uh, any. Anyways, um, oh yeah, so go back to so the, the second episode of of uh, X Files. We've got we'll probably be back. I think we will have Hellbilly Elledge again. He was so good. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have him back. Yeah, he's 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 down. He's uh, he knows a lot about the, he knows a lot about tele. He knows stuff about the production side of television, which is really it's always nice to have like a ringer like like Fred <laughs> yes. up here when we need to talk about something that like matters. That's like if, you know that there's actually function in real life. So you can just say, oh yeah, we're gonna say a bunch of crap about uh I don't know. Uh, Conway Twitty, and then why don't you tell them the things that are actually important to their day to day lives? That's that's always nice to have that. Yeah, like a not, relief pitcher. Not not kissing your ass. This is just sort of like it. It's it, it's like uh, you ever, you know see like in in wrestling they had the four horsemen. They like that all of them have a belt. Like Ric Flair's got the championship belt. The two guys got the tag team belts, and they got the 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 Euro belt or whatever the Intercontinental belt. Um. Mm-hmm. The guy you commented on a case. Remember when you said you said I didn't know anything about this. I just looked at this story like an hour ago. You're you 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 did like a 15 minute analysis of the case. The guy that wrote the case, we talked to him privately. We can't say the name, and um, and he said that was that like he he nailed it. Like he he, he completely <laughs> understood it. It had nothing to do with your kind of law or whatever. He just knocked it apart. That's like what Hellbilly is for, is for TV. That's dope. I'm like that's uh, look I uh, I like to hear stuff like that. Everybody likes to hear that they're uh, not, you know, talking out of their ass all the time. Yeah, I, I mean, that was that was dope. Um, so, anyways, uh, anyways, the second episode. Okay, Scully has red hair, right? Yeah, yeah, she does. Uh, that's like well, you know, if you if you had a little doll of of Scully or something, it would have red hair. I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the, the like the characters, this this. This character has red hair. This is like one of the things. She ain't got red hair in the second episode. You should need to watch it. It's kind of Auburn, right? It is like I mean, it is really pushing it. If you if we like, it's it's brown hair. It's brown hair. Mm. All right. Well, we got some. Well, all right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that on Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. All right. So uh, going back to the bros thing. Okay, so we're going to be addressing the LGT community. <laughs> uh, this is going to be we're, we're we're going soft. We're gonna we're gonna uh, with the intersectionality thing. I I want to help this out because the the guy the director was having a meltdown on Twitter this week, and it was like I like I like I'm, I you could imagine that yeah she's a blonde in real life. You can imagine that there's a lot of pressure in Hollywood. You know, people go crazy. Uh, Dave Chappelle had that thing where he's like, the next time you see me, like I might just pull out a gun and like, because like there's so much pressure in Hollywood. Uh, but so the problem, so he made this flick and it was about, um, a gay guy, uh, going after, a, you know, getting it with a, another gay guy. Yeah. And, a, a romantic comedy with two men. Do you imagine right. how gross that would be if you made it realistically? <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's this no, would be on Cinemax. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be in theaters. There's no score. There's just belts hitting the ground. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but so you know, a big gay guy, and he made the flick, and he's like, no one liked this flick, and uh, they didn't get a lot of people to come out to see it. And in particular, the demographic that he, they really did poorly was heterosexual male. Heterosexual male. 
no no gay guys watch this either because like okay let's let's just for for sake of argument say that gay men and straight men are in some ways similar right do either of you guys like do you like watching romantic comedies i mean no. i'm not we're not talking about like uh when harry met sally or whatever never like, seen it right but i'm saying you could you could say maybe there was a romantic comedy that was like a a classic film that was just so good you know uh, well, I guess it, like Marilyn Monroe was in a bunch of romantic comedies that people say are classics. Whatever. I'm not talking about that. Like, do you want to watch like a Matthew McConaughey romantic comedy? Hell, like no. I'm sorry, Fredo. Perhaps you do. No, I mean typically not. I mean the one thing I have to cop to because if I don't, my girl will cop to it for me. Is every Christmas I make her watch Love Actually. It's a Christmas movie I like, but yeah, typically I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, there you go. I mean that's a, a very uh, I've seen the movie. It's 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 okay movie. It's not like yeah. I think that's a well regarded film. I'm no like men don't do not care about these kind of movies. Why would like you 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 market one at only men really? Like that's what you're you're making a film that's going to be here's a, a romantic comedy, but everybody and it's a guy, and we think a lot of guys are going to come see that. Why would you believe that? You remember uh, you remember when uh, the Notebook came out? Yeah. Every yeah. woman was like, uh, you have to watch this. Like it was like, you know, loose change or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the, I, I don't remember hardly anything, but I remember the end was like horribly depressing. Like everyone dies or something, um, which was bizarre. So okay. A really, a really, it's a, it's a, like a really bad movie, by the way. Just like that movie is not, it's not a good, even a good movie to, to like to watch. So Yeah. But it was the like the the most popular romantic comedy of of that decade, right? Well, By a long shot. And I think it, I think it came out in a time when those things were, were. It was like a dry. It was like a dry period for this, right? Like it used to be, you could say like they're like st like Star Wars for women, right? Like, no, women did not care about <laughs> Star Wars, but that that's not true anymore because they figured out if they put a little baby alien in it that they can make women care about it, and it worked. Yeah, it worked. Walk walk through us. Walk through us like you know a, a a store with a woman who see and let her see like the the little plastic baby Yoda and just just listen to her reaction. Look at the chat. You see all the women in there. You ever see the li little little green cute guy? I put it in, put it in all my tweets. Yeah, just, just saying. Um, <laughs> okay, so and we were and so this this gay guy he made this movie and it didn't do well and he wanted to get it going for the the straight men so i think we could help we could uh, and, and uh i'm, I'm going to help you out we're going to we're going to help out the lgt community so uh we're going to get you guys get this guy going with some big flicks script doctor yeah except what, what do they call a punch up yeah yeah so we're going to punch up this flick right and so and he says the focus what he was trying he wanted to get more heterosexual men to watch his flicks so first off, like, um, you know, the basic, like the, like the basic script here, like gay guy banging, banging out, uh, uh, oh, LGBT. Sorry. I don't want to get yanked off the air. I know, I know there's all, there's, there's drama with each letter, like going away. You know what I mean? There's one, the, the B going away is like, um, uh, the other one's sometimes they'll be like, well, there is no such thing as the B anyways. Um, so <laughs> the, his script was like uh gay guy bangs, gay guy. 
And that's that's the thing. That's that. I, here's what I would do. So, like, you know, I, I don't really want to watch that. Would you now? Let's try this on. How about a cyborg cop shoots thugs and corrupt bureaucrats for two hours? Would you, would you be more interested in something like that? Yes. Okay, but I don't want to be mean to you because we're we're dear friends, and you know I respect you. But you, did, did how did it not occur to you? They've already made this movie. It's called Top Gun. It's a story about it's a story about a, a, a man and his rival who come to love each other by the end of the film. Uh, it has a beach volleyball scene where everybody's shirtless, extremely uh, extremely homoerotic, right? Yeah, and an, and a, a a woman twice his age like Melissa. Remember that? She's she's a she's a teacher too at the at the college. Yeah, and it, that's if if you if you I rewatched that movie before the that's new how, one came out. That's how she turned that's how you turned gay too, by the way. <laughs> I watched this movie again after the new one came out and it was like boy, that that love plotline just didn't just did not work at all. I just I, I didn't believe it for a second. It just there's just no no chemistry. It didn't make any sense. None of it did. It was just uh, it was kind of like you shoved it in there just to say hey. Yeah, part of it is like you know when he's doing heroic things like you know he's like thirty thousand feet in the air. So there's like the only thing they can do is like you know he goes and sits on her couch for like half an hour. I didn't like Top Gun. Really didn't. Um, really. Yeah, I, I love man. I loved that movie as a kid. I, I watched it again. It was it was slower than I remember, but like that's just the nature of movies. The new one. Have you seen the new one? No. It's it's pretty good. I mean, it's a it's. I heard it's good. Yeah, like uh, I like what Red Letter said about it. Like this is like the first movie that's been made in like years, right? The we recognizable as a film to somebody, a time yeah. traveler from the year two thousand ten. Yeah, Love and Bro. There you go. Days of Thunder. I like that much better. Yeah, Days of Thunder's got uh, uh, the same plot, but it's NASCAR. And, like, you can believe that he is sexually attracted to Nicole Kidman. Which, yeah. You know, for which he was because he married her. Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, so it's instead of gay guy, you're going to do something like cyborg cop, ex con, frame for murder. Mm hmm. A guy with a huge mechanized robot like that. Notice that, like, so like an innocent man framed for murder escapes prison and kills an evil army by himself. How about that? You like that better? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, sure. A man with a mechanized robot must stop an evil group from blowing up the world with next generation bombs. See, the thing here is that, uh, you notice there's no cornhole. <laughs> and see, this is the thing. Just take it easy with a cornhole. And that's like, uh, you, have you ever seen um uh in in Rome they have uh the the Pieta right the stat the statue of Mary holding Jesus yeah right it's it's like I mean it is it's why, stunning why are we breaking that into this I'm getting scared okay uh, well I mean so it is like I w it seems like I mean if you look at everything about it like so he makes it so. Their their forms are not the right size, but if you're standing in the right spot, they are the right size. I mean, it is, and like it is just it's like stunning architecture. There's people who've literally been converted because they saw this 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 uh this <laughs> statue. Like it's that good. I mean, it's really good. Guess what? The guy who made that was was a homosexual. Uh, Michelangelo. He also like there one he one of his top paintings. He made a uh, he made a painting of his boyfriend. 
However, like you don't really know it. You're just like, oh, it's a painting of a guy. That guy's a really good painter. There's no cornholing at all. And, <laughs> and, and so, you know, this, like the thing is like you're Michelangelo, you're not, he's not like the majority of the society is not, um, uh, 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 homosexual. Like he's trying to, he's, you know, like when he makes his paintings, he's assuming that his audience is going to be straight, even though he's not, that's fine. Um, and you know, he's, he's trying to make money, etc. Uh, you know, get sponsors, etc. The same thing with the movie thing. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. So just take it easy with the, the cornhole. Like there's there, like, you know, that, that painting of his, well, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, there's not, there's no booty hole in sight. You wouldn't believe it. The, the, fa- <laughs> the failure of this movie, like every once in a while, there would be somebody asked this rhetorical question. And like, it came up recently for a stupid reason. It's like, uh, the Scooby-Doo cartoon has announced that, uh, the character Velma is a lesbian. And if like you, if you search for her name on Google now, Velma, whatever, like the, the, the Google window will pop up like little, like little, uh, rainbow flags. Like, like, like it'll celebrate, it'll literally celebrate that now this cartoon character has been pronounced, uh, a lesbian. Like, this is why they do that because the stuff that they make is terrible. And and people will rhetorically ask, well, why don't, why do you guys have to, to, to insert this crap in the stuff that we already like? Why can't you just make your own stories? Because they can't. Like nobody would want to watch any of the crap that they make. They don't care. Nobody cares about it. It's like, what do you do? You remake RoboCop, and then like instead of Murphy having a wife, he has a husband. And then they're like, now RoboCop is a LGBT. a giant, a giant cybernetic. Um, sorry, what was he? <laughs> cybernetic <laughs> but, police officer. No, you hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly why they do it. Because they like if you you're, they know they have better luck getting this. Uh, I don't know. You're not allowed to use the word agenda, so I'm not going to use it, but whatever. Uh, uh, Across, uh, you know, by slipping it into stuff, as you said, the people that are actually going to like. Because if you make, like, if you make, like, a movie about how, all right, I'm going to give you an example. Let's say you make a movie about how putting mayonnaise on a hot dog is delicious, right? Like, and that's the whole plot of the movie is about how awesome that is, right? People are going to be like, I'm not going to go see that movie because mayonnaise on a hot dog is gross, right? But if you make like a, a James Bond movie where he's like cool as shit, doing all this awesome stuff, he's slick, he's suave, the, lady, the ladies love him. And he's also here and there during the movie eating a hot dog with mayonnaise on it. That is a much more effective way if you're a mayonnaise manufacturer <laughs> of getting people to put mayonnaise on their hot dogs. Mm. Go ahead. Someone said, uh, someone said they don't understand what I'm saying. Here's all I'm saying. It's like whenever you, they're writing the, the flick, just like whenever you see the cornholing, just replace that with like, him flying a, a P-51 Mustang or something like that. That's all I'm saying. Let's, let, let's get to work here. We make it look easy. What what can we say about the Ian thing? Uh, the hurricane, you mean? Yeah. I'm present. So uh, I'm in Florida. I did fine. I don't know if anyone else doesn't say anything. I, I was talking to other people. Uh, I, I was talking. We, we've had, uh, there's a bunch of listeners that live in Florida. Everyone, I didn't know anyone that had any family hurt. A lot of people had some damage, etc. Do we do we get a death toll on on Hurricane Ian? By the way, uh, yeah, big big old if you're international or something, 
big old hurricane just ripped through Florida. It was headed towards the panhandle and it juked and just went slammed into Tampa all the way, I guess, through like uh, Jacksonville last moment. And Tampa, no, Tampa's, gets- Tampa's fine. It it, it, oh. it, uh, it slammed into Fort Myers. That's where that they got it the worst. Fort Myers, Naples, Fort Myers Beach, Sanibel, like that whole area. Tampa was majority spared. It was supposed to hit Tampa, but it turned south the last minute. So somebody from Florida told me Tampa is always spared, and they people credit this to um, some kind of uh, blessing by a Native American chieftain that makes all the hurricanes avoid Tampa. This is Seminole wind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, that part of Florida hasn't been hit in a long, long time. Uh, and whenever that happens, I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of like, you know, anything that, that could have blown down a 50 mile an hour wind in Miami went, went away in, in Andrew. So it was, it was, a, it was a rough storm. I mean, there's, there's lots of storms. It was rough one. So I don't know. We know some people out there. Uh, everyone's just sort of cleaning up. I know if you got work boots and a, and a, and a chainsaw, you'll have plenty of do in the days coming. Yeah. Yeah, and for people that have never like been in Florida before for a hurricane, one of the coolest parts is like they so the power companies have all this this arrangement with the Florida power companies where they all send their linemen to Florida actually ahead of the storm. They come uh like several days in advance so that as soon as the storm is done, uh, you know, they get to work. So you'll all over the state you'll see like linemen driving trucks from you know, New York, Kansas City, like everywhere you can imagine, they all drive in in their trucks. And like when they go by, people clap for them and stuff. You know, it's, I don't know. I kind of, I think that kind of stuff is cool. Yeah. There was a viral video on, on TikTok that was funny with this woman. Uh, I get, you know, she was, she used all this kind of industry lingo. Uh, you know, like in wrestling, they call like the the, the women that, that, that uh, go for the wrestlers, they call them ring rats or something. She had a phrase like this, like, you know, line lizards or something. She's like, she made like this warning to all the women of Florida to not, um, not sleep with her, with her, uh, her beautiful husband who was a lineman. She said this was a big danger, but you know, these guys, they, they work hard. So uh, yeah, it's a good, I mean, I would say it's a good job. Cause like it is it's like, yeah, steady work and good, like good pay for, for, for people from our socioeconomic cast, you know, that, that was the line was always a really respectable job to have. You got to be smart and work around electricity. Yeah. My dad is an electrician and they called him uh hot wire. And I don't know if that was complimentary or insulting. I don't know if that's an, if it's a good, good or bad nickname for an electrician. My, my dad was boat captain and they had a, a captain they knew who wasn't very good. And they called him captain crunch. <laughs> Because like you know whenever, whenever whenever he would park the boat by the uh, you know the dock he would just slam that shit into it because it's not very good. <laughs> uh, pretty awesome. Okay, so yeah, uh, it, and of course the, the big the, the political story there is basically you have this hotshot politician, governor of Florida. He's looking good. I mean, he did he did look good in the, the whole thing. Um, uh, I saw him. He was cooking at the Waffle House, etc. But uh, you know, there's the the question of like, you have the emergency. How does the 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 existing political things play out, right? So like, does 
does the president behave himself? Does the ex-president behave himself? Because you know, we have this thing. A lot of people want to see this grudge match between DeSantis and Trump. Uh, I saw Trump put out a, a statement that said, uh, thank God for our, thank the Lord for our great governor. He's living in uh, Mar-a-Lago, Florida. See that? Yeah, it's all that. It kind of throws water on some theories about political dissension between the two of the camps, right? Yeah, what are the, the, the TMZ guys of politics, what are they going to be doing for the next two weeks now? <laughs> Anyways, we have anything else on this? Nah, I don't think so. Just a little bit of, I guess, history absolving us. Here's a, this is a, from a New York Times article. A leading Russian nationalist and daughter of one of Russian President Vladimir Putin's top allies was assassinated in a car bomb attack outside of Moscow. We're talking about Dugan's daughter. And the U.S. believes she may have been killed on the orders of elements of the Ukrainian government, the New York Times reported on Wednesday, citing unnamed U.S. officials. Daria Dugina, 29, was a prominent supporter of Kremlin's war in Ukraine and the daughter of Alexander Dugan. She was killed in a car bomb attack. Uh, was it in August? I believe it was in August. And now the New York Times just cites someone in the U.S. intelligence uh, community who thinks that this was the work of the Ukrainian government. It's interesting that that would even get published. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Uh, someone on someone on Twitter speculated that it means that they're worried they're going to start doing more stuff and they're trying to get out ahead of this. Like we're not covering. Oh, like the Ukrainians yet. are going to they're going to be doing stuff that may that the U.S. would prefer they rather not do. Yeah, uh, I don't know what that could you know after blowing up a pipeline. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what would what would rate you know unacceptable level. But I just figured you know a little pat on the back. Our, our boy Fredo was out ahead of this. He's a, our resident Dugan expert, Fredo. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting that that made it in the New York Times at all, right? Because when we covered it, like I thought it would be kind of like an obscure story, but in and of itself, but it, it is interesting that it kind of took off in that way. To your point about the the pipeline, I wonder. See, there, there's a difference though. Like the pipeline is really bad for international relations, but it's not a public relations disaster because it's not like killing a pretty young girl, right? Like that's killing one pretty young girl. Like does more do, is going to do more to you know reduce pro war sentiment in your country than blowing up a pipeline. You know what I mean? So I wonder yeah. if like they're they're thinking like some real no I mean these Azov guys do like brutal death squad shit. They they boil people and eat them. Like real real like even like war is hell. Even by like war is hell standards, these guys do some really like gross sick shit. So I wonder if they're worried that some of that is going to start eventually coming out and they're trying to get ahead of that. It's always dangerous to speculate, and we I, I try to avoid is speculating about the the war as much as possible because like there were so many conflicting ideas and uh, but here's something I think you can kind of count on right at this stage, uh, obviously one of Russia's strategies is we're gonna start we're gonna starve Western Europe of natural gas and see if we can for some kind of political compromise and like maybe that won't be this winter, but it could be next winter, next, you know, <laughs> next winter, next year, whatever. Um, 
Ukraine. There was Steve, like Steve Saylor of all people, had a, had a great theory about the pipeline being blown up. He said that uh, maybe it wasn't the U. It wasn't the U.S. who did it. Maybe it was the Ukrainians who did it, and it really wasn't necessarily the United States' idea, and that the Ukrainians are are, are getting um very enthusiastic about making sure that that natural gas, I guess if you were being uncharitable, blackmail isn't going to work because uh, Ukraine, the Ukraine is in a an ex like an existential war, and I guess increasingly Russia is too. Things are going to get nuts. Like the Russia's, you know, mobilizing how many ever forces. We're having huge like, set piece battles in Europe again for the first time in what 50, 60 years. <laughs> No, longer than that, like 70 years, right? It, yeah. It's, things, are, things could get wild, and, and maybe <laughs> there's a, like, a lot of people say that our State Department is insane, and that's true, but like, they're not that insane necessarily. Like, maybe they're like, you guys need to chill out. You're supposed to do what we tell you to do. You're not supposed to go off and, and you know, freelance like this. Yeah. Um, you know, Tingsorg is like, if he's like anyone in movies, uh, he's like, he's Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's had some very interesting exchanges lately. Because uh, th- this is sort of like, there's the story about Ukraine and blah, blah, blah. And there's this other story of, you know, these things have effects that ripple out all across, all across Europe and the United States, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the, the question is always like, is everything under control by you know the big the big the big bad the Illuminati the 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 Jews the Mother Brain or whatever whatever is out there the GAE is it like you know is everything just going on to the the plan of uh, who's the the WEF and all this kind of stuff or are things chaotic and crazy and the, and people and there's people that are incompetent and. And there, there is no big plan and stuff, which is, uh, you know, uh, so things are bringing out World War One much. So, you know, you look at this thing with this situation, all these people in this pipeline story, like no matter who blew up the pipeline, almost like we could say like 90%, they were like an ally of, of the people who need the oil, right? Yeah. Like, like, like I said at the time, this isn't like, Cortez burning the ship so his his soldiers have to go on. This is like somebody like uh, the uh, the French coming in and burning those ships. They Cortez didn't do it himself. Like that that's a totally that's a different mm. experience. Okay, but, well, but, but unless you think that there's like the, there's a conspiracy that the Germans actually blew up the the German no, government no. actually blew up the. I mean, you know what I'm saying it's not no, the no. same thing. Amer- America is America or America or in that in the original thing, America is Cortez. And are unruly and like our men who want to take one of the boats and turn around and go back is the Germans. You know what I mean? That analogy doesn't work because that's not why he did it. But okay, yes, I get what you're saying. Well, I, I thought he did it because they wanted to defect and go back to Europe. He he had problems with people with other people in the Spanish government who wanted him to turn around. That was more. But yeah, anyway, it's not important. It, well, it's, anyways, um, so uh, you know, the the point here is like. These things they can, uh, you know, and what, and what is Jeff Goldblum in, in, in Jurassic Park? He was basically saying like shit happens and it sort of builds its own story. 
fat guy yeah. turns turns off the fence in the rain. Things just things just spiral and spiral and spiral, and then there's a raptor eating your face. Uh, Julius Caesar said, "Great, so, huge wars and battles are decided by the smallest of circumstances. Like the smallest things sort of get the ball rolling. There is no like this. It's not a video game. Like all kinds of weird shit can happen." I mean, wasn't this one of the lessons of the civil of the Roman Civil Wars that you should avoid that if you possibly can? Because there was there were multiple times during that civil war where one side looked like it was impossible for them to lose, and they lost. And like in the case of like uh, Pompey the Great, uh, that was it for him. He lost, and he lost. His, he literally lost his head in in a battle that looked almost impossible. To lose, like yeah, the, the, there's chaos. You, you can look at the the way people in Europe viewed what would become World War One in the run up to it. It was just like uh, there was sometimes a great quote. I wish I could I can't remember who the Prime Minister of, of of Britain was at the time. Asquith, maybe I don't know. I can't remember. He he wrote he wrote in his diary like oh yeah, there's a chaos on the continent, but you know. Luckily, we we it has nothing to do with us. We're not going to have to worry about any of this. This is, this is their problem, and everyone was convinced famously that you couldn't really have a world war that, like that because the the world was too interconnected with global trade and finance. It just couldn't happen. It would be too disruptive. But like once you have these these events set in motion, you have all these different people who have different objectives and different tolerances for risk. That goes out the window. People, uh, people would act in a way that in a vacuum looks irrational. Like if you're if you're the Kaiser, you know, if you if you withdraw your support from Austria, that looks rational in retrospect, right? But it, to him, it doesn't. It's like, well, I should risk the war rather than back down from Russia. Like when once these things once these things start, there's no going back. People don't. People don't become sane, and the longer this is the this is the thing. It was funny because Elon Musk, of all people, was was tweeting about it. That the longer this war goes on, the higher the stakes get for Russia, and the crazier they could become. Like if if this war drags out three years, by year three, what do people think? Whoever's in charge in the Kremlin, what's their position going to be on the Ukraine? What's their position going to be on NATO? The the our assumption, like not ours, but like the State Department, Brandon, whoever, seems to be that they're going to be they're going to be willing to give up. Uh, historically, that's not what happens when you get into a fight for survival. Usually, it goes the other way. You start doing you start reaching into the bag and doing things that you never thought was possible. If you ask someone in 1914. Do you think it's possible that every major nation in Europe will send millions of young men to, to get machine gunned and pump poison gas at each other through pipes and drop bombs on cities? It would have sounded insane. Like, like Jules Verne, Jules Verne tier science fiction. But within a couple of years, they were doing that. So, I, you know... Like when it comes to this, Malcolm is absolutely right. Anyone who thinks that, well, we know we know exactly what's going to happen. Everything's under control. Dark Brandon, thousand year Reich. Ah, uh, that's a bold proclamation to make. I I certainly wouldn't do it. I don't know what to say other than like everything is so. Uh, 
everything is so unknown right now going forward that anyone who expresses like any sort of certainty about anything right now, I'm skeptical. You know what I mean? Like there's it, it like everything is on the table, I guess is the way I kind of view the current moment. Absolutely. I do too. Uh, I thought that uh, Dingsters got a new article out in Compact Magazine uh, called, it's something like today is 1914, not 1942, something, something like that. Basically that. Um, a lot of, lot of scary stuff in there. A lot, a lot of the uh, Petraeus is sort of uh, memeing about nuking the Kremlin or something like this. Um, anyway, you have to read the article. Uh, Just say, if you're, if you're doing historical analogs, in 2022, the United States is the British Empire in 1914. Like we're the ones who are setting this. We're 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 the ones setting the stage. And how did that work out for the British Empire? You, yeah. you, the British Empire won two world wars. How did what was the what was the British Empire like ten years after the second one? It was and, gone pretty much. And look at the the way that like so you know the the big questions for the American Empire are not like what are we taking next. It's it's like, can we hang on to Taiwan? Can we hang on to this? Although, I mean, so, you, you know, the big, of course, they always have to have a, a dream. And, you know, this dream gets gets funnier every time. So, you know, the dream now is um, uh, if you look at my timeline on Twitter, I've, I just started. Um, I just searched on Twitter. Um, what can we do for the women in, in Iran? And every single, <laughs> every single Ukraine person, now, every Ukraine flag in their bio now, they all have like the robot NPC tweet that says, what do I need to do? Well, just like, how do, how do I help? And like, I was looking at one of these and you know, all these, like all the ones I found, it was all like these women in their fifties and sixties. And they would, and uh, they were people that are very concerned about Ukraine. And now they were very concerned about, uh, Iran, and one of them, and like this, this woman's profile was like, I love, you know, um, I love Huskies, uh, classical music, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, shit like this, uh, and my and my grandkids, and they they were, and you know, under her post, she started going on to like, she's like, we already have a puppet government in place for Iran. We're going to, uh, we can get that going. And she's telling all these other grandmas, like, yes, in Mr. B 4599 says CIA groupies. Yeah. Like it, I don't like, you know, even men, I know that that talk about international politics, like, you know, you kind of got to be deep into stuff. Like I don't, to be like, I know, like, I know our, like we have a parallel puppet government already set up for Russia with uh Navalny, right? Yeah. Is he still around? Like he was sick for a while. I mean, we definitely did for a time. I don't know what his current status is. I, oh, I just remember him being real sick. He should stay away from the soup. Yeah. Uh, he's around. I mean, he, he was in a story uh, a day or yesterday where um, they asked him like, what are you going to do once, once you, you take power? <laughs> and, and they, and they said, are day one, are you going to return? What, what are the, what are the disputed territories? Crimea. Are you going to return Crimea to, uh, to Ukraine, that's going to be wonderful. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to do that, which is, I mean, this is all, this is all bizarre. Uh, anyways, he's a puppet car. By the way, I, I'm, I, I think I follow stuff like this. I'm commenting on this to the general public. I don't know our, our, um, that we, I didn't know we had already had one of these things going for Iran. Apparently we do. 
Well, you know, the, the the tweets that you highlighted and I saw like you basically you told these people like you should you should take whatever energy you're putting into like um like people are saying, I'm not a wealthy person, but like where how could I donate money to women's causes in Iran, right? Like I don't have a lot of spare money, but how can I give some of it to Iranian women? And you were like, just Turn off the television and don't devote that energy to like your family, to like people you I know. Told, I told her to send it to her grandkids instead. Yeah, but be like, better off. Yeah, like the. I yeah. told that one bitch to buy a PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's, Why? that's some real gamer hours right there. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Fair enough. Like, no, but there's there's you're more right than you than like people may initially realize too, because the issue in like the reason Iran doesn't have like blue haired ladies who are gender nine, non-binary or whatever, uh, is not for lack of money. Western governments would send unlimited money and do send lots of money to achieve that result. Right? Like it's not a money thing. People don't like these. Well, people that support these causes don't like hearing this, but they, are in that situation because by and large, a sufficiently large majority of the population likes the way that things are there. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. Uh, Let me make, I want to make a statement about the specific thing that you were, that you were talking to those people about. And there's no nice way to put this, but it's like that, that like, how can I personally help, uh, change the situation for women in Iran. Here's the problem. Have you ever you ever had like a a, a a lady friend and she gives advice to her female friends that is not only counterproductive but like really sabotaging. Like yeah yeah your your hair you you know what you should chop it off your hair you should you should cut your hair like you could get a pixie cut it would look great on you or yeah don't no, have have another cupcake it's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, did, women? So, sorry oh, to interrupt, yeah. but did you see the one of the ones I interrupted? One of the ones I, I, I intercepted. She said literally, like one of the things that was so inspiring is she saw the Iranian women chopping their hair off. Yeah, it's like, hey, yeah, you. How can I donate money to help my sisters in Iran? Uh, you know, cut off, cut off all their hair, and um, yeah, and gain thirty five pounds. I, that might not be. I'm not saying they're intentionally doing that, but that might not be the best outcome for Iranian women. I don't know. I, admittedly, I don't know much about, about Iran, but I'm just saying we should take that into consideration. It does happen. Can you imagine seeing like the entire, uh, the entire gender is like your army. And by the way, this is like, you know, this is a majority of the, of the earth population. You imagine like, you know, I'm looking at pictures of, <laughs> of cavemen and stuff, but I'm like, ah, oh, damn these bitches. There's my brothers. We're, we're, you know, we all, we all, we all, we all have, uh, uh, twigs and berries. We're, we're in this together. Like what, what do you, what the sub visual haze nails it. We must ship pallets of SSRIs to Iran. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, this is a funny thing because we've seen, we, we've been, we've been on the internet long enough that when like the, um, the red pill and the men going their own way thing was like, uh, I guess popular, we we looked at those like their forums and stuff, and they did have this weird attitude. Like every 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 person with the with the with the penis is is like on the same team, right? It, it's we all we're all somehow the same, and we have the same aspirations and goals and direction in life. And 
that doesn't make any sense for anybody. It doesn't make sense once like, it, it, almost any scale, but certainly not half of the human population. It's like what 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 do we what do Tom Brady and I have in common, right? What do I and the and the guy who made um, Bros like? What, what what is our common our common cause? Yeah, man, it doesn't make any sense. Like the the this. By the way, I don't know uh, the show pull, show the family jewels here, but uh, one of the reasons why I think we get this. Um, the tutor on horn here and the other people <laughs> don't is this is a fundamental part of Patriots theory that um, the large, the larger the group it like uh, if you get the job done yeah. with 15% of the group of the, the group, it's a better group. It'll stay around longer. Like you can't have group that that's like 60% of the population. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Popular sovereignty ha- and, and the rhetoric of, I don't want to say I, I I hate I don't want to like Ben Shapiro and say the rhetoric of the left like this is progressive rhetoric the idea that like the major like we're, we're we're fighting for the majority and just popular sovereignty in electoral politics and whatever just as 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 a fairness concept has memed people into believing that having the maximum large coalition is the best outcome because hey if if we imagine if we got seventy percent of 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 everybody to agree on one thing, like we would, they would win a super majority. They could rewrite the constitution, right? What if we got 90%? What if we got everybody to agree? But like if in politics, if you did that, it would be like if you were organizing a pickup, uh, a pickup softball game or whatever, and you put, you know, 90% of the players on one team, it's not going to work. Like you, you're no one's no no one's just you know what I'm saying. It just it, it was, well, it's it, physically impossible. It immediately incentivizes a split. There's always going to be the Crips and the Bloods. Carry like Mariah says, solidarity with gamers all around the world. Now that one, that one I can go for. By the way, the other part of the story that um, Wait, you know, let me let me, let me put, phrase this in very stupid person, a very stupid person way because I that's who I am. That's how I think about this. Uh, what would you if, if let's say there were two two organizations and like you were organizing a pickup basketball game in the one organization, there's going to be two teams. The one organization has a hundred people in it and the other one has five in it. I would want to be on the five team because I'm good. I'm going to get the play. I know I'm going to get the deuce. Like it doesn't matter if, if I'm terrible, I'm still going to get the play every, like, you know, every minute of the game because I'm the only, I, I'm all they got. And whereas big, if you're in the hundred, fish, small pond. Yes, exactly. Like, that this should be, it should it would it would be common sense if it wasn't intentionally obscured. Like politics works that way too. You want the minimum number of people to succeed because that gives maximum like Reward. maximum rewards. Like that, that this people have trouble with that with that part of the selectorate theory, but it's it's really the most intuitive. You want to be you want to be the like the one person over fifty percent so you can maximize what the goodies that you get from it. That's all. That's all there is to it. Yeah, this is uh, this is this has been described in a whole bunch of ways. I've seen intersectionality people that understand this, and it, but it, this predates this with uh, it's balance of power. That's another thing that sort of describes this. This is just sort of like a it's a fact of life. Like um, if the one thing if if every if the one thing gets too big and incentivizes 
someone to take it take it elsewhere. But the other part of the story that, that, that it, man, I'm sorry, I'm, I apologize for once it. again. But this is important. I think this is important. I've been thinking about this a lot when we were people were arguing about is 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 this the, the is the United States stronger than ever? Stronger than it has ever been? I don't know. I'm not going to answer that question. But just think of it this way: There's a reason that there has never been. Like there's been unipolar moments in human history, but there's never been uh, like actual long-term unipolar power. There's never been one person dominating the entire planet, and there's there's a, there's a reason for that. There is so much incentive to defect. Like the bigger the Roman Empire gets, the more incentive you have to defect from it. Like the, I know that seems un, like unintuitive from people from like a, a video game perspective or whatever, but it's the truth. And this is why, like. I personally don't think that we are more powerful than we were in 1991 or 1946. I don't. I don't really think that. But it would be very difficult to maintain that kind of dominance that we had since the USSR fell. Like obviously, Russia was going to rebuild. China was going to wake up from its like periodic, you know, whatever being China basically falling per- apart in Persia. Yeah, like all these things, like the the longer the the unipolar, unipolar moment lasted, the more incentive there was for people to step up. And like I think that's, I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Like there are things happening, and I'm, I'm not saying it'll work out well for Russia. It might not even work out well for China. Like there's not going to be, there's not going to be a um, a GAE controlling the planet. It's just it's impo- It's it's if it was possible to do that. It would have been done before in human history. It's never been possible, and I'm sorry, it's never going to be. Yeah. It's human nature. Human nature itself prevents it. The only way for this to change would be to fundamentally change human nature. And you, if you changed human beings to something else, which you know, hey, there are people who would like to do that, then maybe. But until that, until that time, no, there's never going to be a unipolar anything. Um, let's just say. Yeah. So the the other part of this story that um that I think is important. Oh yeah. By the way, uh, another example of this. Remember in wrestling when they had the NWO? Yeah. So they had this big Hollywood deal. Hogan. Hulk Hogan was the American hero for like everyone's lives. Like you know, from Rocky three to whenever that happened. I don't know, late nineties or something. And they turned. Hogan to bad guy. Everyone joined the bad guy organization. Eventually, like everyone joined it. And so there's no one to fight. So then the the continuing storyline was that there was a white in white NWO and a red NWO. And now they're gonna fight. Uh because like there's no one to fight. Uh so yeah, that's how this works. The you know, the wrestling thing. Um Okay, so the other part of the story that, like, you know, I have a real hard time communicating with these uh, dildos in the uh, the, the right wing, <laughs> <sighs> and it's not their fault. I mean, this is it is kind of a shocking. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a part of the the selectorate theory that is just not intuitive at all. I I get I get frustrated with people, but one of the things that's super not intuitive about it is that like in selectorate theory. There's nothing like a United States that makes decision. There's nothing like a, this is like, you know, this, when there's these things, these countries sort of do things to hurt themselves, you immediately have to come up with these bizarre answers because it's like, you know, uh, 
why would the United States like make decisions to get poor? Why would Chicago make decisions to get to do this or do that? Well, it must be like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, evil, evil aliens in charge. Right now with the selector theory, it's like, what if like the individual, the individual politician made decisions to survive? Like, what do I need to do to stay in office? Anyways, that's, that's where, and this is where you have these things like this. Uh, but anyways, um, we done on this story. Yeah, actually, I have uh, I have one. I want to pick Fredo's brain for a moment. This isn't one specific news story. It's a kind of a general pattern. We had the government announced that actually we've we we've made some mistakes in calculations, and the average American is even more in debt than we thought. The, the price of oil is is speculated to to, to go up. Uh, U.S. stock market reacted by having a huge rally, had, had a huge bump. People, people who are in, in, you know, investing money think that the future looks really bright. I'm really confused, Fredo. I don't understand. Can you please explain this? Can you please explain finance to me? Well, I mean, one thing to keep in mind is stocks are priced in dollars, right? So there's two sides to that equation. When the, a stock price goes up, that could mean the stock is becoming more valuable. It could also mean the dollar is becoming less valuable. Both of those things have the same effect, right? So this somehow, sometimes this gets compounded even further due to the fact that you, there's a limited number of like places that are uh, convenient for you to park your money while remaining still very liquid. The stock market being the primary option outside of just you know dollars in a bank account say um or or bonds so that that effect gets compounded even further because if you believe dollars are going to become less valuable not only does that in and of itself put you know push the price of say stocks up but that gets compounded by the fact that people are going to look to move more dollars into stocks pushing the price further up so it's kind of like a self-perpetuating circle there so I think that that may have a lot to do with what we're seeing right now because you know uh, earlier was it this week or last week was I think it was I think it was the United Nations called on uh, governments to stop raising interest rates as like a human rights issue yes. I, I think yeah that was this week so I I'm getting the sense that a lot of people, and it doesn't mean that they're right about this, but there people are starting to come to the belief that the interest rate hikes might end sooner rather than later. And if you believe that, then it's not necessarily entirely irrational to be moving your money into the stock market, hence pushing the price up. Now, this doesn't uh, you know, control for the fact that even if the interest rate hikes stop, there could be a massive economic slowdown that more than makes up for the fact, uh, you know, uh, of the the reduced interest rate hikes, right? Because another way that the supply of dollars goes down, which lowers inflation, is just a recession or a depression, right? Recessions and depressions are typically deflationary. So there's a lot of different moving factors in play there. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but that's, that's the most I can make out of what is going on right now. And then the second part of it that sort of contributes to this is there, the narrative this week I've noticed a shift anyway, and I'm not, again, not saying this is right, 
but there's been a shift toward uh the idea that like Russia is just going to lose the war, right? Like you're starting to see that mm-hmm. more and more that this is going to end. It's all under control. Francis Fukuyama tweeted the other day that a massive news of a Russian collapse is happening in the next few days. Right. So he, there's, these guys are starting to almost remind me of like the, uh, like the, my pillow type guys, right? Like where they're like, Oh, it's finally going to happen. Uh, you know, with the, with election fraud. So I, that may be contributing to it. Those, those two sort of sentiments may be sort of working in concert to drive the stock price back up. It had been falling uh, for a while. And then there was just a huge rally two days in a row. And then today the rally technically broke, but uh, it was basically flat today. I mean, the market declined by like a quarter of a percent or something like that, I believe. Well, the I know I looked it up myself when the the UN thing about the about the uh, like I, I tweeted that the you know, the cheap money is now human right and the United States uh, like uh, trade and develop I think uh, UN committee for trade and De- conference on trade and development said that I saw that with my own eyes this is a, this is a quote so I'm not I'm not you know 100% stone cold locked this is exactly what they said. But this goes along with, with that statement. <clears throat> uh, policymakers appear to be hoping that a short, sharp monetary shock along the lines, if not the same magnitude as the pursuit under Paul Volcker, I guess in the, in the 80s when they tackled inflation the last time, will be sufficient to anchor inflationary expectations without triggering recession. Sifting through the economic entrails of a bygone era is unlikely, however, to provide the forward guidance needed for a softer landing, given the deep structural and behavioral changes that have taken place in many economies, particularly those related to financialization, market concentration, and labor's bargaining power. What they suggested in the end was the world is too interconnected now. We can't do this. You can't have your own monetary policy like you did in the 70s and 80s. What you have to do is you have to... I'll, I'll 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 use their interesting terms for this. <clears throat> uh, shortages require appropriate industrial policies to increase the supply of key items in the medium term. This must be accompanied by sustained global policy coordination and liquidity support to help countries fund and manage these changes. So we need a worldwide industrial policy, and reading between the lines. The liquidity thing seem, seems to say you need to make sure that the cheap money keeps flowing forever. Uh, you could read price controls in that too, which we have had experience. We had exp- they tried that in the seventies, by the way. That's one of the one of the things that led to the like what Volcker did was pretty extreme in in the in the eighties, right? Like the the re- yeah. jacking up like the, that was considered. A- what, what did he do? He just basically raised the shit out of interest rates uh, with specific intent to lower the American standard of living to get inflation back under control. We had what we have now. We had inflation with economic contraction at the same time, which was supposed to be basically impossible under the under the Keynesian understanding of, of economics at the time. Supposedly we learned the lesson from that. That was what we were always taught in school that we oh we, we thought that was true but it's not and we we've corrected our thinking and this will never happen again. But here we are in the same place and the United Nations is telling the world 
well, you can't do what you did last time. We have to, I guess, give more. I mean, unsurprisingly, the UN thinks that the UN should have more power to direct the economies of of, of the entire planet. I, I uh, not to get off uh, your your point there, Merrick, but I don't want to let uh, Meta Prime zero zero one's point uh, slip by here because it's very good. Um, he makes the point here that what is really happening is that the system is being looted by Wall Street through dead cat bounces. So what he's referring to there, and that's definitely a very strong possibility, is when the stock market starts to go down, the dead cat bounce is a period where it bounces back up for a while before it crashes. And one of the theories behind why that happens is because smart money will start pumping the you know pumping the market up buying to artificially inflate the price and then they'll try and jump out first before the price crashes right because you know the thing about a bubble is it's only really bad for you if you're not the first guy out of the market so if you can create a bubble and you know that you're full of shit like I'm way oversimplifying this but- as long as there's a greater fool you're okay Right. Well, there's great. As long as there's a greater fool, you're okay. And as long as, you know, it's a timing issue, you're the greater fool if you don't get out first. So as long, like if you're participating in the bubble, but you're the smart money that's really manipulating it, so long as you get out before the dumb money, you're going to be okay. So a dead cat bounce can be a way, you know, when you, uh, when you think if you're smart money and you got a lot of it, you and your friends, again, oversimplifying, can juice the prices up one last time so you can get out without getting burned too bad. And then when you get out, the bottom really drops out on, you know, regular people. Yeah. We need Meta, Meta Prime smart guy. We need to get him on here. I, all I'll add is that I don't, like I said, I don't know stuff about finance and economics, but I do know that people who have power their only concern is maintaining their power or if, if possible accruing more power. And like ever, this is the problem with the, the tech, the idea of technocracy and the expert class to begin with that there's no, that there, there's never been, well, I mean, perhaps like there have been edge cases. You might have a Cincinnati style expert. Who's like, yeah, my expert opinion is that you should just get rid of my field entirely. Oh, we were just wrong about this. You don't need, I, I'll, I'll see myself out the door. Like, this is my expert opinion. You don't need my services anymore. That never happens. It's always the opposite. Whatever you're into, you're going to suggest that's what we need more of. Well, what what are these people into? They said themselves, the financialization of, of everything, the world economy, every aspect of human life. They're never going to back away from that willingly. They're going to, they're going to, until the last absolute moment, if if we if we had Zimbabwe style hyperinflation or whatever, when the you know when it cost a billion dollars for a loaf of bread, they would still be singing the same tune. That's never they're never going to come around. You can't trust anything they say. And if, if 2020 didn't teach people this, I'm not really sure what will. Yeah, I always think of um, you know I like the mafia stuff and um, talked about this before. Uh, so there's all these different mafias, all uh, little family groups and stuff all through the United States. And <clears throat> what's you know, the point of the mafia is to make money. That's it. They're not there to uh, uh, praise the Lord or, uh, you know, uh, set the land speed record in Bonneville salt flats. They're there to make money. That's it. Nothing else. And so 
part of the rules of this is if you're the if you're a boss of a mafia gang, then and your your leadership is not producing the bucks, then it's right for you to die. It's right for someone to sh- kill you and and get 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 a get a go getter in your place because this is the, the rules of the game is to make money. And so uh, you know as things go on, they're like we're going to make this big council, the commission. And um, we can all put our heads together and we can sort of like um, we can use this this institution to like do even bigger crime, make more money. We can start like controlling big, big routes of, of drugs and all this kind of shit. And um, what happens? And so it, and so who's going to run? Who's going to be on the commission? Well, the heads of all the families, like nine seconds later, the institution of the commission, like its only goal is to make it so uh the bosses, the people that are on the commission can never lose their job to their juniors. Uh, and so like, it, it, so like, you know, immediately they're like, well, only the new rules of the mafia is that you can never ever kill a boss and every boss should die in office. And, um, you know, at old, of old age and, uh, and suddenly <laughs> all the leadership becomes decrepit and lazy because they have no challenger. You know, it, this, this is the, uh, is this the iron law of institutions? I mean, he- well, yeah, but it's also just this is hu- the human nature. This happens to people, and it happens to empires. This is why I, it, an empire becomes geriatric, and it this it does the same thing. Like this is just how this is how we are. This is the mentality of human beings. I got what I'm going to cover on on request. This is like um. This is not exactly news news, but this is a request. It's a, it's a good little, little thing to pop in. Um, this is a story from 2017 uh, Wall Street Journal opinion piece. It's uh, LSU, and it, it's a it's a little story, and this is the kind of it's uh, it's an interesting thing. This is kind of like how things work. And so, <clears throat> this is a story. Uh, you know LSU Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Tigers, so, right? Yeah. You know, uh, they they have like uh, you know libraries and engineering stuff and um, all these other things. Did you know they have a lazy river ride at the uh, university? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a lazy river ride. Like like you know they have like a, I went to I went to Disney World. They had like Blizzard Beach and there was a lazy river ride. You know you yeah I've been uh, some of the casinos in Las Vegas have them. Uh, I've been one uh, I. Someday offline, I'll tell you a funny story about uh, one at a casino in Las <laughs> Vegas. But yeah, I'm familiar with the concept. You you get like you you uh, you get boozed up and and it's like a it's not like a party thing. You just sort of zonk out in your decadence and like sort of drooling all yourself. You just sort of float down the river, peeing all yourself. Like what? Well, what are you like on a, on a like a what kind of boat? Like a paddle boat? What? What are you talking about? Uh, a, a inner tube. Like you're tubing down the Mississippi River, but but you're not tubing. You're just sort of like imagine like um, you're sitting in an inner tube and like imagine that you 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 took like a bunch of muscle relaxers. Like so, you just sort of draped over this thing like you're like uh like you're dead basically. Isn't that insanely dangerous on the Mississippi River? On the Mississippi River, but that's the Lazy River. Lazy River just sort of moves oh. slowly. Okay. Yeah, imagine like I mean it's got chlorine in it like a pool, man. Like you could stand up in it. It's just like. It just has like an artificial, uh, you know, current that moves you slowly in your inner tube, and it's like a giant circle. And sometimes you go under like a little waterfall. It's, it's exactly the kind of artificial thing that would be in like Las Vegas or Disney World. That sounds really lame. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, 
the LSU University, but by the way, you know, that's a um, taxpayers fund that, by the way. Uh, they they built this huge, lazy river ride, and, and it's like spelled out LSU um, at the, the school place, you know, where they. Uh, oh, is you, it like, because they're the LSU is like in cursive. So is it like the cursive LSU is the path of the lazy river? LSU is all the way connected and the top of the L on the L and the, the, the top of the U is connected at the top. So it, it circles that's, around. That's wild. Um, but you might be asking like, so that's a cool thing for like Disney world to build, but why would LSU build this? Um, and so the story is this, there may be no better symbol of American higher education's wasteful indulgence than LSU's lazy river. Marvel recently opened $85 million recreation center recreation center. Why does they, why does the uh, universe? I've never been to a university at a recreation center. Uh, they don't, that's not, they don't mean like the gym, do they? But anyways, lazy river is where students ride inflatable tubes on water current in the shape of the school's initials. As F King Alexander LSU's president said before ribbon cutting, we are here to give you everything you need. I don't want you to leave the campus ever. When asked to defend the the water ride, <laughs> is this like cool parents who let their kids smoke weed in the house so they don't do it outside? Is that is that is that, is that what this is? No. So when asked to defend the water ride, the administration was quick to respond that the students voted for it. There's a Chronicle of Higher Education report in October. A student government resolution passed in 2011 authorized a $135 fee increase over three years to finance the project. Damn, that's a uh, yeah, but they ain't thinking about that $135 because they're getting student, they're getting like loans and shit for that. I mean, I'm not saying it's a smart financial decision, but you're 18. So like, uh, yeah. like if you ask an 18 year old or a 19 year old, like, oh, will you add $135 or, uh, you know, per whatever semester quarter to some debt that you don't have to worry about paying for four years and you get to ride on a lazy liver river and look at like, you know, chicks in bikinis or, you know, muscular football players in their swim trunks. They're going to go for that every time. You, you, you solved it. So college edu- college student fees have been rising for some time now. 2016 paper review of higher education found that between 1999 and, and 2013, inflation adjusted fees grew faster than tuition. The rise, he tells me, was largely driven by uh, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, the, the, the story goes down. Uh, the fees were levied by the administration. It's even easier to see the appeal of getting students to raise the fees themselves. The university wants nicer facilities, recruit better and wealthier students. They can use a third party payer system to do it. Uh, basically it says, you know, these, even though each kid is going to be paying 500 more dollars to go to school there. And that's $500 on top of everything else. You know, when you, uh, you don't have a lot of, you don't have like a lot of extra money running around. Now, however, what the story says, number one, these kids ain't paying for it. And number two, uh, even if they were, this is being paid for in like 20 years. So really they're just charging, um, the taxpayer, but more importantly, like the next 20 years of, 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 of students are going to have another $500 out of their paycheck that goes to the lazy river. And this story is like everywhere. Uh, this is like a, you know, the way these things work, like, you know, um, in state government, like whenever, uh, you know, whenever the abortion things kicked in after the road decision, like every, every state government, lots of them, they would have like one guy that would come in and like, he writes the the bill for them and just gives it to the guy at each state. This is how, this is how all all these universities work. All these, these people, like as soon as you learn a hack, 
you send it to everyone else. And so all these, these schools are doing this kind of thing. It's an interesting little look into a, um, a hustle, the boondoggle. Yeah. That, I mean, I mean that, that, we've talked about it before, but like all these, all, almost all the problems with the universities go away. If you deal with the loan problem, you know what I mean? But I'm, when I say deal with the loan problem, I mean, just get rid of them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you come from a rough background, you don't have the money to pay for college and you're a good student, you get a grant or whatever, you know what I mean? And that's for, that's to go to school for like, you know, science, doing the science as some people uh, would that I know would call it. Right. But that would eliminate like a lot of the bullshit in these universities, just getting rid of the loans and going more to a system like that. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what they've done is, and this is pretty clever, I guess. In the span of a hundred years, they've gone from basically there's no. Let's say in in in, in we'll say in at the turn of the twentieth century, there were taxes, but not many, like not a lot of taxes. You basically the government wasn't taxing people very much. To now you're stealth taxing everybody all the time like we've talked about before inflation is a stealth tax like when you have money printing inflation is a way you can uh, you can tax people without it without them thinking of it that way nobody thought of it thought about it this way nobody thinks about well tuition fees are being raised so we can hire 15 more administrators that's a tax everybody in america every person who pays taxes you just your tax bill went up a little bit so you can pay for these useless you know patronage jobs for university administrators and then you know eventually we they stopped even pretending that the money was ever going to be paid back and he just forgave the loans right this is this is how it works you have these sneaky underwater taxes that control every like every aspect of your life today you there's this is one thing that like libertarians complained about this, but they did it the wrong way. They complained about it in the sense that like it's it's immoral for the government to collect taxes from people. This is theft. That's not really what they should have the, the route they should have gone down. They should have explained how secretly you're getting your pockets picked to give money to idiots. And I don't mean like uh, you know, oh welfare queens, government cheese stuff, but just like. The, the the diversity inclusion officer at Auburn University, I, I don't know who she is, but we shouldn't be paying for her job. It's fucking, it's useless. It's it's like not even, no, useless would be, would be better. You're paying someone to sabotage everybody's life and make them miserable. And just think about in, in your, in any time you go to the, you go to the DMV, you deal with people in any bureaucracy, like how many people they've inserted at these useless positions who just make your life a little bit more miserable and just magnify that times like a million. That's, that's yeah. What you're- you hit on something very important there that I just want to emphasize. It's not that they're useless because that would not be nearly as bad. Like if we were over, like if you're just paying taxes and that tax money is going to like have people, you know, dig holes and fill them back in, but that allows that guy to like, you know, have a little house for his family or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that's good or efficient per se, but it's it's not terrible. And a certain amount of that is like actually all right. Uh, but that's not what this is. Like you're you're actually financing actively. I I mean, it's kind of trite to use this word, but like actively like bad, evil people to do bad, evil things to you, your family and people you care about. 
The chair of the National Association of School Psychologists, and I don't know what power this person has, but that that kind of is not the point, right? We, we, we've, we've already gone over why that's not the point. Uh, here's here's some, some quotes from, from her about what she thinks the role of a school, school counselor or school psychologist should be. Uh, in a July 2022 episode of the same podcast, she described evading requirements for parental, parental permission. Quote, I recognize that parental consent is a big deal, but when I'm dealing with anything LGBT, I don't worry about that. Let's be honest, it's an electronic permission slip. You type in a parent's name and I'm like, oh, that parent signed consent. There's no actual signature. I do love my neuro and gender diverse kids. Those are my favorite. When it comes to her own sexuality, she is pansexual. I did, she says, I identify as queer, but I'm attracted to a very small but growing percentage of the population. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, this woman admits in a podcast in public and the National Association of School Psychologists has backed her up on this, that she doesn't really think it's important for parental consent. If, if she thinks that your your child is transsexual, and Virginia, by the way, we're talking about Virginia, Virginia state law says she can't do this. She, You have to be informed about this. She says, no, I'm just going to break the law openly. I'm just, I'm just going to flout this law. I don't think it really, it's really a good thing for the LGBT community, so... The Commonwealth of Virginia, whatever, you can go kick sand. And the National Association of School Psychologists said, yeah, we support this. Think about yes. how many people were inserted. Your, your, you know, your property tax money, your, your state tax money if you live in Virginia, it, you're funding the this, this school system. You're paying for more people like this to not only – they're not just terrorizing you. They're going to screw with your kids. They're going to mess your kids up, and you're paying for this. You're, you're, you're paying for the like the, to be treated like this. It, it's, it's the most insane uh, – I don't even – it makes me very, very angry to even think about. I still believe this, this can be fixed, and I, st- and I believe this is, a legal, this is a legal thing. And I believe that these people would respond to legal – I don't think that, that they believe that what she's doing is illegal. And I think that the 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 problem is that the United States. Um, uh, I've said this before, so uh, you know, this is the story of the Civil Rights Act, and it's it's long and complicated. But I'll try to to put the things together here. So you start out with the Civil Rights Act that basically says um, equality under the law. Uh, more like. More, more or less, like, like what it says, like, like uh, at that time, you know, in, in hard writing, it basically says you can't be fired just for having one of these one of these traits if it's not related to the job. So, uh, in other words, uh, they can't fire you. <clears throat> they can't fire you for being, um, you know, uh, a gay airline pilot, but they can fire you for being um, a a. Uh, a teacher who talks to your kids about gay stuff. They could. Well, they, they can't fire. They can't fire. Like they, they could. Fi- like you can fire a man from, uh, from Hooters, uh, because he doesn't have breasts. That's okay. Because that's a, a job related thing. Right. Right. This is, this is how it starts yeah. out. Now, the one of the things is that's just a, that's just a law. Now laws are subject to the constitution. This is where one of the, one of the big two steps with the civil rights act is that what they will you, uh, we've seen it today. There was a big story came out today, and they always say, the, "Well, the Civil Rights Act and the Fourteenth Amendment." 
the Civil Rights Act and the 14th Amendment. Because what they do is they smudge these things because if it's something is in the Civil Rights Act, well, we could, we could, uh, well, who, who gives a shit? It's just a law. It doesn't mean anything. But once you, but if you say, but if it's part of the 14th Amendment, you can't, it's untouchable. And so they smear these things together. So legally, those things need to be separated. This, the, the courts need to say, what is 14th Amendment and what is Civil Rights Act? N- number two, they need to have, cause like, remember, like uh, we've seen in just a, one of the reasons why the gender story went crazy in the last four years, three years, four years is because, uh, it's no mystery. The reason why it went insane is because the Supreme court suddenly said gender identity is a protected class. And it wasn't before they just, uh, before homosexuality was all these other things. They added gender identity. The thing is like, that isn't like what does that mean? It means what whatever whatever we decide it means. It means whatever um the courts say it means. So someone could craft a law to to redefine this to say, well, um, you know, well, you can't be fired from uh, you know, driving a dump truck because you believe something different about yourself or or whatever, you wear a wig or something, but however, that does not expand into these huge things that sort of cuts off rights of parents and all these other things because like as of right now and if you look at the the trajectory of the way the civil rights act i think uh you know these people these professionals like i i do believe they would respond to the law i don't think that they would be willing to go to jail etc uh it's kind of like you know uh all these people were were tearing down these statues the second that they said you're going to catch a felony on if you do it on federal land nobody nobody else touched the ones on federal land uh, these professional people, the upper middle class people, they, you know, they, they do respond to the law. Yeah. Well, okay. The, the, and this is kind of some home cooking here, I guess, whatever this woman, she works in Arlington. She, she, she works as a uh, school psychologist in Virginia and she admits that she, she, she's a part of this message board group that, <laughs> <laughs> you 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 if i just describe it you won't believe it just let me tell you exactly what she says K-pop the, PLP could, the plp could rehome students who did not like their parents as well as pay them money and have an adult pick them up to take them to their new lives it also said the group could provide false documentation to hide children's whereabouts while they participated in gay activities so this woman's part of a, a, a group of people online who conspire to not only break laws but like these are you know whatever we don't maybe you don't care about uh certain things but almost everybody deeply cares about you know will the state make sure that your children aren't trafficked by uh, an insane blue-haired school counselor my, my my soapbox thing is governor glenn youngkin uh this woman is in arlington virginia she's admitted to, to you know, committing crimes. I'm not saying that you can arrest her and successfully charge her and uh, convict her of this crime, but you should you should be talking to somebody right now to just have the state trooper put her in fucking handcuffs tomorrow. I don't care if the charges can't stick. I don't care. Whatever. Just do it well, right now. You need, way, to, you, need, you need to put this woman in fucking jail. This is, like, this is the, only, the one of the only ways you're going to slow you're not going to stop them this way you can only slow them down she needs to be in she needs to have do a perp walk on on the news and she needs to be in a fucking orange jumpsuit in jail that's what that's what you have to do with these people that's the only thing that's going to even 
slow the tide. Like this is this is so far out of out of line. This is like this is this is itself like science fiction. You 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 still you have to do it under the law. But however, what you're describing is how that would work. What you would do is you would go arrest this person. You'd say they were conspiring to uh, conspiring to kidnap children, to sexually traffic children. Yeah. And and you would cite the cite the rights of the parents, and this is when it would hit the courts, and we could decide once for all. You know, it would be nice if also you didn't have a you didn't have the current administration running the country, because you know what you could do to groups like this. Wow, don't we have don't we have the RICO Act? Don't we have all kinds of of fun laws that you can say this is a, a criminal conspiracy of people trying to do this? Hey, here's a. How about you get brought in on federal charges as being part of a secret underground criminal conspiracy to sexually traffic children, which would have the like would enjoy being true. By the way, that you wouldn't even have. You're not even stretching the truth or, or playing a game when you do that. Show Discord servers where they heard this stuff. By the way, yeah. great great comment here. Res traces. They'll they'll break the law if they know they won't pro- get prosecuted for it. That is absolutely true. This is. Uh, one of the, the the big things of the the 2016 2018 we saw there was the um uh who's that very brave gay man in the Pacific Northwest the Asian man what's his name yeah uh Andy I don't know how to no, pronounce that last no, name no right N- Andy no yeah, yeah. It's, it's NGO I never know how to say it he's got, he got big balls man uh because um they they don't like him anyways he's they've physically attacked them more than once yeah. Yeah, uh, the, one of the one of the the things that sort of blew him up is he had these mug shots. Well, the reason why they had those hundreds and hundreds of mug shots is because, um, uh, yeah, someone says NGO dun dun dun. Uh, one of the reasons <laughs> one of the reasons why they had those hundreds of mug shots is because all these people in Seattle and stuff they knew you if you're an upper class professional, your school teacher or something, you know that they had this. It was obvious that with the the, the DA is not going to charge you. So just just take the ride to the station, get the handcuffs, and they're going they're going to let you go. So absolutely, that that's one hundred percent true. Before before we move on, when these subjects have come up about these laws, and this is now an easier sell than it used to be because like it used to be hypothetical. Well, what happens if people's kids are blah blah? Like we don't need to say hypothetically more. It's happening now. People people having their children taken away from them. You know, because they didn't respect the gender identity that the school counselor told the child that they could have, right? You could, you could in certain certain states, if your son decides he's your daughter, you could lose custody of him if you didn't go along with that. that me, that's, but, but, me, but I, go I, I've got another story here. It's, no, it's, well, it's very, very, very connected. Only thing I'm it, 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 yeah, this is this will be good, but you just you got to promise not to blow your top because this is gonna. We're going to be pouring fuel on the fire here, okay? Okay. All right. To the macho man Randy Savage, you are nothing but garbage, yeah. California, this is, uh, when's the story come? Um, September 30th, 2022. That mm, was Friday. <clears throat> California governor signs bill offering legal refuge to transgender youth from conservative states. Uh, California governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill Thursday that aims to legally protect transgender youth and their parents if they flee and their parents, if they flee conservative states that have restricted access to gender affirming care. Maybe I didn't have the story right. Cause he says, and their parents. If, if you were in a divorce, a messy divorce with your wife, she could 
she could flee to California with your son slash daughter and you would have no recourse no matter what the state of Florida thought about the custody arrangement is what he's saying. We will be a sanctuary state for you. We're not going to, we're not going to turn, like turn you over to them. Like, like this is, yeah, you did. This is like a very basic thing of how U S states work that we all have extradition between each other. Like California is not supposed to say we won't extradite you, you know, back to Florida if you are violating a custody order. But that's what Gavin Newsom is saying he's going to do. And one of the things they cited was, uh, and this is where there must be, we must have, have a legal showdown coming soon. So uh, let's see. Mar- May 20th, 2021, Tennessee governor okays transgender youth treatment ban. Um, I don't know what treatments, uh, which goes into effect slightly. Tennessee's version, doctors are banned from uh, providing hormone treatment to minors and uh, also surgery. So I guess this is one of the things that they're talking about. We must, uh, you know, this is one of these things. Like if this was 1995, you feel like there would be a federal, the feds would step in immediately. I don't know if this is weakening federal government or not, whatever, but those are, that's radically different. Uh, views on the, the, the federal government agrees with California. So they're not going to step in and stop the California from doing this, but, but are they going to stop Kentucky? I mean, maybe the, 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 the problem is you have to do that through the court, through the Supreme court. And I don't know if the Supreme court would do that. Yeah. Uh, my, my only point was, you know, we, we, I've, I've had these conversations with people for years now about, you can just, we'll just rainbow flag crap. And like, there was the, like Fredo kind of alluded to it, that there was like the concept of a agenda, right? That was just saying that there was an agenda was conspiracy, like conspiracy theory. Like you're a stupid rube, insane person because you think there's some kind of agenda, but there is an agenda and it's very simple. People have been asking, like, well, what would be the motivation? Why would anyone do this? And I was, and, and it's so hard to articulate this, but I, I actually, I thought about it. I thought about today, you know, everybody's freaking out now about nuclear war, right? But people were talking about, could, could we have a nuclear war with Russia and the government, the government is buying radiation treatment pills or whatever. And, you know, Moscow sending the nuclear, nuclear whistle um, uh, missiles via train. And people were thinking about this for the first time in a long time. And it made me think, you know, the, the very basics of nuclear power of nu- the nuclear reaction is that you split an atom and that in, in the act of that destruction, there is a tiny little bit of energy that's, cr- that's created, right? It, it just, it's, it's a very, it's a minute amount of like every time you split one, there's a minute amount of energy that's created from the destruction. But then when you chain it all together, you get Hiroshima, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like th- that act of destruction create, it creates literally creates power. And this is what these people are, and this is what they do. Whatever thing that you have, whether it be uh, the basic family structure, relations between uh, men and women, relations between mother and father and their child, like if you can destroy that, like there will be a little bit of power that will be created from that that you can gobble up immediately. Like the the, the struggle, like it's not worth it in the long term, but like there is in that act of destruction something to be gained. So, like, this is why they'll never stop. There's never going to be a point where, like, oh, well, I guess now everybody can get married, so we're just going to chill out. No. Now, multi- like, we have to have, like, polygamous marriages, and we have to have, 
you know, marriages between, <laughs> we have to have you know, sexual uh, consent between people who are underage and people who are adult. Like, it, it, it can never stop. There's no point where they'll just say, well, I guess we've had enough. Because there's always going to be another mount. There's always going to be another person who wants to be a school psychologist. There's always going to be someone who wants an NGO job. That's never going to go away. There, there, there are an unlimited number of hungry mouths, and if they can make their living off of, you know, the destruction of <laughs> everything in life that's worth makes life worth living, they'll do it. Well, there's just no, there's no breaks because everybody's acting as an individual. It's so decentralized that. There is no, there's no dad who can say, okay, chill Got out, it. we've gone far enough. Got a quick comment on that real quick, just because it uh, ties. It, you were vindicated uh, this week without even knowing it, Merrick, because uh, one thing you said in there was, you know, that part of the thing was like, this doesn't stop. Eventually, it'll have to be extended to like polyamorous relationships, these sort of legal protections. Uh, this week in New York City, a judge ruled that uh, polyamorous, I was going to say couples, but I guess that's not right. Thruples, <laughs> like whatever, uh, are entitled to, you know, under like anti-discrimination law, they have to be entitled to the same legal protections yep. given to two-person relationships. This was in the context of an eviction. Uh, it, sometimes it matters like if you're like if if your spouse, I, I uh, it states to state to state is so different from eviction, and I've like never practiced obviously in New York, but in some states, if it's your spouse who is a signatory to the lease, and that person moves out, and that that spouse moves out or dies, they can't kick you out, even though you weren't an original signatory to the lease. And I think that was the situation here, uh, if I recall, it was three guys or two guys and a woman or something. I don't know, uh, that, that claim to be a, uh, a thruple, I guess is, I don't know a better word for it. A blob. Yeah. Okay. There you go. A blob. And I, the, the one <laughs> whose name was on the lease died, I think was the case. So the landlord was like, you know, well, the tenant's dead. So you guys got to get out of here. And, uh, the judge ruled that, uh, it would be discriminatory to not, grant the same uh protections to uh your polyamorous relationship that you would to a two-person relationship got gotta take that supreme court gotta take that supreme court this is uh you know this all like the gender stuff went off in 2020 why because bostock however like what does bostock say all bostock says is that you can't be fired for a job where it's totally unrelated uh for your gender identity, whatever that means. But what, like, you, uh, let me just say, you could have a very modest interpretation that number one, like this is, we're strictly talking employment. I don't know how many, like we haven't seen too many of these stories. Like the story we're, we're, we're talking about right now. None of this shit has anything to do with employment. Uh, you know, that, that story in someone reminded us that story in, in Canada two years ago, uh, that was an employment. That was someone that went to a spa and asked, have their balls <laughs> waxed. It happened in LA, and I mean, it happened with the, the cake company, the master masterpiece cake company. They, you know, now you have to. None of this, right? There's no none of this is where where like um you know uh Wendy's fired a cashier because they said they they you know they were a man and woman's body. That, that's that's none of these, these these big stories. So you, I think here's the thing though, and I mean, 
Look, there's again, there's no nice way of putting this. But like these two examples that we just listed, like the that insane person in Canada and the 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 cake the cake people, like you know, the forcing the bag of cake. This is one of the situations where those particular people, their motivation is not what we were just talking about. Like they're trying to to materially gain. They're just they enjoy hurting other people. Like that. That's. Maybe yeah, they, the one in, the one in Canada was a hustler. They 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 had a lawyer ready to go. They 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 knew this was going to be uh, right. But this is this is a way this is a way that that person in Canada, like you could tell by the kind of they weren't going to be at the top of any hierarchies in any kind of like society that was structured in a way that is familiar to any of us. We just no. Maybe if uh, Jabba the Hutt, uh, like his his spaceship was a thing, you know, that person could be the little laughing alien that sits on his lap. Like, right. that That's like, that's the highest aspirations for someone like that. I, uh, I like that guy. Salacious Crumb. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Exactly. Nice laugh. But they enjoy hurting other people. And I don't think, I don't know that they even consciously understand why they do that. They're just destructive people. They're a destructive, destructive force in, on society. Like we had a way to deal with this in the past, which was like, it's a disgust reflex. Like, why are you acting this way? This is gross. Well, we, we had a lot, we had a lot of ways to deal with stuff like this. So, you know, um, the, 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 the barriers to failure were much higher. Uh, you know, I, I heard, um, Adam Carolla talking about one time, uh, you know, when, when he was growing up, uh, his, his brother, uh, some like, like his, his brother had down syndrome and their, their family was, so they had a large family. Everybody had jobs. Everybody was married. So, uh, his brother would stay with, with his sister one weekend, the next weekend. And so like everybody had this sort of, uh, uh, budget space to sort of handle this without, uh, involving this. We're, we're coming to, a, you know, we're coming to a point where that's, that's not going to be the case. And so like one of the things is there's always like, if you, if the door is open, this is what, you know, I've, I've had a lot of debates in the past couple of weeks with this stuff where people are talking about like, well, you know, do we, do we need to change the human soul? And I, I am, and I, I, I think like all of this can be taken care of by sober people with the law. We have the law and, I, I I talk about all the time. The law is very open to take care of all this stuff. It's it's not very. It, it wouldn't be difficult at all. Law. Well, I mean, th- that's the same thing, though. I mean, honestly, it is the same thing. And this is this is this is the ultimate black pill that I, some people just can't handle. It, but it's the truth. There's a large, large portion of society, and you can. I don't know if if you want to be, if you want to feel good about human beings, you can say it's it's like twenty five percent. But it's probably closer to like half or more people. They'll just whatever the, whatever the person in charge tells them is right. They're just gonna. They're not only gonna do that. They're gonna make themselves believe it's right, even if it was something that directly went counter to everything they know. Like how many people got reprogrammed over the course of ten years about whether or not it was gross for a seventy-year-old uh, Olympic swimmer to put on a dress and call himself uh, a lady? Yeah, you you hit. This is key. And this is key and this is underappreciated in that uh, 
because that half of the population is so squishy and so easily like programmed and persuaded into anything, it's, and I, it, I don't even blame them. They just don't want to make a stir, right? Like they want to just, they feel that it's the, they feel incorrectly they're wrong about this, but it's better to just be left alone and they'll just be able to continue their life. That's wrong because eventually the system's going to come for them. Right. But yeah. that's, that's the that's the, just how people are that's a plurality of people any way you cut it like the the people who remain are divided on what how things should go the people who just would just do whatever they're told that's the plurality like they're the uh, maybe not 100 percent. yeah so like 100, you're 100 percent right they're not the ones who are like wrong in the sense of like this is unnatural it's the most natural thing in the world they're wrong is in, in the sense that it's morally wrong. It's not the way you should con- you should live your life. But you know, whatever. As we, as I know, my colleague wants to say, like that's not the business of politics. How right? But here's moral. the thing: there's there is a critical political connection here that I don't think enough people make because that plurality exists. When you you're part of your job when you rise to power, right? When you're representing, let's say you're you rise to power and your constituency, the people you're representing, the people that you have your client patron relationship with, they're not like on, on one of these issues, they're not a majority. They can't be because a plurality of people are basically as Merrick just described. It's your job to through demagoguery or otherwise get those people that'll just do what they're told on board with the particular platform or uh, you know, group of reforms that you were elected to carry out with respect to these issues. And Amen. that is, that is why people are so wrong. So there's a real small brain take on like the, what is it? Bruin is the overturning of Roe versus Wade, right? I should know that as the lawyer on the show. Uh, but like, there's a small brain take there. That's like, Oh, well you don't want to do that because like yeah. there's, there's all these people that, uh, you know, are just they're they're mo- most comfortable in the status quo because that's what they've told is correct for the past what is it now fifty years since like mm-hmm. roughly speaking, uh, and it's like yeah that's true, but a pl- but the plurality is in that group that'll just be told by a strong leader to believe whatever they're going to believe. You got elected by the people that felt strongly that it should have been overturned. Right. And you have to go and carry that out. There's no screwing around and being squishy on that issue. You carry that out to pay back the people that put you in office. And then to keep winning, you go about the business of, you know, telling that whatever plurality percentage, how to feel on the issue. You know, Amen. Scar- Amen. Everyone's, everyone's seen the movie Scarface. In, in the movie Scarface, uh, t- Tony gets double-crossed by his boss, and he goes into his office, and he shoots him, shoots him dead. And he looks over at the other employee of his boss, like, hey, you want a job? Because I'm in charge now. You want to work for me? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the alternative is you're going to get shot, too, if you're, if you're, if you're that guy, right? Well, it's, it, hey, he's going he's gonna to work out fine in the Tony Montana regime. Absolutely. That's just how pe- how normal people. This is how like this is how normal people behave in general. Like this is the foundation of democracy, by the way. That like you know we'll well we'll begrudgingly go along with what 
you know, what the people said, even if we don't like it. It's like, yeah, people, hell yeah, people would do that. It's, it's anyone who's telling you, anyone who tells you the opposite, they're lying because they don't like the thing that they're talking about, but they, for, for whatever political reason, they can't just come out and say that. Like if they don't like, if they didn't like uh, abortion restrictions being allowed again, they'll just, they'll do the concern thing. Like I'm concerned this could cause problems. No, you're concerned because you didn't like the ruling, but that's, that's understandable. Just, but deal with it because this is this is the new this is the new normal going forward. There's a new status quo now. Absolutely, this is this this is the crux of the matter. I've gotten big debates with big time stars in the past month over this, and <laughs> there's there like <clears throat> what like what's going on here? So the deal is that there's a huge amount of people, and like I'm sorry, there's a there there is a materialization to how they respond to this. So if you go look at the January 6th thing, one of my favorite moments was where um this someone one of these these all these women were complaining about the January 6th protesters and she took a picture of one of the guys there and she said, "Look, the name of his employer is on the back of his shirt." It was something like Ed's Tree Removal Service. And <laughs> somewhere I remember in, this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she said, "Look, so we're going to all call Ed's Tree Removal Service in Kentucky, and we'll talk to management and human resources, and we'll get this guy shit canned." And then, like the second, and then like thirty seconds later, she replies and said, "Do not call. I was, I've never <laughs> had someone talk so dirt, talk so low to me in her life. So you know, she she calls and says, yeah, I'm the manager. You can kiss my ass. You know, this kind of thing." And, uh, and so, you know, Ed is free to see what it say, what he says. Now, when you go to this huge amount of, uh, people in the knowledge economy and, you know, like, by the way, this is, this is going to skew women just because, uh, you know, a higher percentage of men will, will be pulling stumps and, and doing things like that where they could say, yeah, well, you know, uh, F you, I, I think, I, I think that's gross. These people that in any kind of professional capacity, um, they're scared of authority. They're scared of the authority. And like, so the, you know, the, you can, and so they're not like the authority doesn't come like, in my opinion, the authority is not created by, um, you know, these people reading the right books and stuff. Uh, like, like, well, we can just like change, like we can just change, uh, we can change this situation just by like, um, you know, this, this spontaneous cultural revolution in the elites for like no reason. I don't believe that. I think that there's money and power in, and, and clicks and patronage clubs and, and in all like every kind of, in you know, uh, uh, and crime and ethnic groups and religious groups. I'm like, I guarantee you there is, uh, you know, in the, the FBI, it's almost assuredly that there is, there's a Mormon clique. There's ethnic cliques. There's all kinds of cliques, and that that kind of thing is all through these these big institutions. But the power comes first, in my opinion. Um, and these people, they don't, it, it, they didn't read. Most of these people, they didn't read Foucault. Or by the way, if you read Fred Foucault, he wouldn't be talking about gender theory. He'd be talking about the power because they got the power first, and then they tell people what's true. And so these these normal, you gotta look at it from these normal people. These normal people, you know, Alex Jones says this is gross. But if you go to Harvard University, the people that wear they wear suits. Um, if you look at, uh, I don't remember people. Uh, I I heard the war nerd talk about like, you know, he was a professor and stuff, and he sort of admitted like um, 
the feeling he gets when he looks at the font to the New York Times, because the font to the New York Times just says power and authority. In America, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you become a woman. <laughs> yeah, or you tell people what to believe, uh, and that's what you can do. Um, but yeah, you're right. The the, the yeah the, the power comes first. That's you know that uh, hey once again Tony Montana was teaching us a lesson about politics. Add two. I'm only going to cover one because we are running late. This was a um, a wonderful a wonderful set of tweets that came out today, but it also includes a news story. Um, this came out this morning. This is one of these people uh, that you have to follow. Um, if you want to keep an eye on like the cutting edge of libs or whatever, like you know, uh, you know, if you were following the right, like you know, you need to see what like David Duke or something says. Like the people that are really on the extreme. Um, you got to follow, uh, B Newsome, uh, some Dan Moynihan and Brittany Cooper. Brittany Cooper is one of the, um, uh, great ones. So she had this great set of tweets today. She says this, <clears throat> uh, and now let me add an intersectional analysis to this thread. I clarified my numbers from last week. Stacey Abrams is pulling it around only 60% with black men, 60%. That is an abysmal number. And that is not one befitting of her care and her commitment to black people. I just can't, I just, black feminism teaches me that the answer is patriarchy. The GOP hates black men. See the Willie Horton case. Stacey Abrams loves black people. I just can't believe people don't know she would hands down be better for Georgia and for black men. So I can only conclude that patriarchy and disinformation uh, <laughs> who the GOP is are driving this declining enthusiasm. It's sad. Now the news story there is that that is, that's a shocking number. Sixty percent. So uh, you have this. You have a, a black Democrat running in Georgia, and only see only sixty percent of black men are supporting it. The, 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 why is that crazy? That's crazy because uh, you know if you go back ten years ago, black vote black preferred Democrat is like ninety nine percent. We've seen since like Trump, there's this drift of black men specifically. It's not huge. You know, it's like, you know, 10%, 20%. I, they're saying maybe in, in this case of Stacey Abrams is more particular, more particularly huge, but um, you dropping 40% of black guys. I mean, that's a, um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I don't, I literally don't believe it. <laughs> there's a, I, I, I would bet money that, She's going to get. Uh, if I said eighty percent of the black vote in Georgia, I well, would no, feel no, like. Well, well so but she get like a hundred percent of black women. Let's just talk about black guys. Sh uh, do do in, does anybody really think that four out of ten black men in Georgia are going to vote for Kemp over Stacey Abrams? I do not believe that. No, I don't. I but I, the, I mean, the trend point could still be valid. In I'm terms sure. Of like, yeah. Yeah, like less than used to, but I like it's funny you said eighty percent because that's like exactly what I was gonna say because I don't believe the sixty percent thing either. I think it's gonna be like more like the low eighties probably. This that's will, a guess. Obviously. You're exactly. This is the point. The point here will be there will be like yeah, the Democrat candidates will lose some of the black male vote, but they'll gain more of the black female vote too because they're gonna have the. Uh, there's no reason that. 
black men and women shouldn't have the same pattern that white men and women are having when it comes to, you know, political polarization between the two parties. Like there would be yeah, more black the, women. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. I cut you off. I was going to say uh, also that bizarrely candidates like Stacey Abrams actually like uh, increase enthusiasm in certain uh, corners of like the white liberal population too, in terms of turning out the vote there, which can also make up for it. You know, on the start, the new shitty Star Trek television show, she's the president of Earth. Like literally, like they state, like they had Stacey Abrams come in and play like the president of Earth. Was she playing Stacey Abrams, or was she just playing like <laughs> like a like a, a like a fictional character? She was a fictional character, but like she was the president of Earth. Okay, I mean, that's Before still bad. I mean, that's bad, but that's it's not a, as yeah, bad as insane. just like <laughs> it's not as bad as like like you know, a Demolition Man. Arnold Schwarzenegger is like president. Uh, or yeah. whatever, like it's the, like I was thinking initially they did something like that, but with Stacey Abrams. <laughs> Stacey Abrams was cryogenically frozen so she could become the president of the, of the of outer space in the year twenty three hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think I think there's more meat to this story. There's a couple reasons. Number one, you can see. Um, so you know when you look at this rhetoric, she's saying she's. I mean, she's saying like basically. Um, hardcore feminist rhetoric and it's like been brought into like black politics generally which is well what if what if you're a brother what what if you want what if you aren't a woman now like what what does the democrat party offer you well the democrat party is like pretty harsh on black guys uh, i mean i was working a job and um well the, a black man was uh, working and he had a good job at my in uh they took him to jail and they took him to jail because of basically um, uh, family court stuff, which is like, that's, that's like the, the, the stuff she's talking about. That's the um, sort of the business end of the Demo of the, the feminist wing of the, the Democrat party. Also, I mean, this is kind of uh, rude, but uh, I had one of my um, fraternity brothers moved to Atlanta, went to Atlanta. And I said, what was Atlanta like? And he said, um, I've never seen, in words and suits like that. <laughs> and uh, what did he mean? What he, what he meant was there Atlanta it has the black middle class it has like, um, like, uh, but like black people with like uh, middle-class jobs, with professional middle -class. jobs. Yeah. No, I, I don't mean just professional. I mean like, um, uh, you know, like that suburban crowd, they have black suburbs there. Like black suburbs that aren't like poor, it's like it's it's kind of unique in if that. If you wear a suit to work, you're either a professional or you sell cell phones. Like that's pretty much. Well, in some of works. some of these professionals, guys who wear suits, uh, you know, accountants and stuff like that. Um, right, right. I've known a black guy that's that's an accountant. That kind of thing that can go a lot of ways. So I I, I don't know, man. Um, the business end of the I, I I can see it. I don't know. Well, we we have to we have to talk to Metal Gear about that, but um. Uh, important point in 20, I looked it up in the 2022 election. This is a good, you, you made this point and I kind of skimmed over it, not for thinking about it. It looks like 12% of black men voted for Donald Trump uh, in, in 2020 and it was 14% in 2016. So that would be in, in 88, 12 split. So if, and, uh, <laughs> black women, it was like, five percent right just 95 five split so i guess you could 
say at some point perhaps the black male vote could get I just I don't see sixty. It's not. It's not. It may not go sixty. Remember, she's a flashpoint for this because, like, she's uh, she's like real heavy on this feminist stuff. Remember, the feminist stuff. Even if they're black, the feminist stuff takes away from brothers. Certainly, certain brothers, right? Yeah. Uh, The Democrat Party doesn't. uh, Anyways, it's it's interesting story. Um. All right. I got. I got. I got. I'm sorry. I have to do these quick hits here. This is uh, all right. Make it. We make it look easy. The head of a major crime family was killed. Another man seriously injured Monday in a suspected underworld hit near Tel Aviv. Benny Shlomo, the head of the Shlomo crime family, were <laughs> taken to the Wolfson Medical Center's paramedics. Shlomo was pronounced dead uh, by the uh, medical staff. We make it look easy. Last story. Italian mafia attracted by Malta's tax system and company law. This is interesting. Uh, so Italian criminal organizations migration to Malta has been facilitated by the proximity of the two countries and the EU's customs union as reported by the DIA at Italy's anti-mafia investigation body. Moreover, the report found that Malta's privileged tax system together with the regulatory ver- facilitations, company law factors that have favored the conspicuous longering activities of various mafia plans. Basically goes on that like all the heavy hitters, of the Italian mafia have moved to Malta and they're starting uh, online gambling. And, uh, yeah. Malta's a tax haven in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's all kind of haven you can buy it's So one of the big things with Malta is it's the, it's an EU country, uh, but it's one of, you can buy citizenship there the way you can like in, uh, I guess what Donald Trump would have called s whole countries. Uh, like, so a lot of like, I don't know if this is still going on now, but like a lot of organized criminals in like Russia uh, or even like China would buy citizenship in Malta because then that was your gateway to the entire EU. How much does it cost to become a citizen of Malta? That was the thing. It was it was it was more expensive than like these little Caribbean islands, but mm. way cheaper than anywhere like you would expect for an EU country. I could be wrong about this, but I'm because I'm going from memory. But I think it was a bat. It, I want to say it was like four hundred grand or something like that. Is Malta EU? Yeah, that's why it's such a big. Uh, that's why the whole citizenship, you know, buying citizenship program there was such a big deal and they could charge so much more than most other countries that have that sort of thing. How big is, is how big is Malta? It's tiny. I don't know the exact population, but it's a very small, like it's an island. You can like drive around it. Mm, so that, I mean, this, this could be interesting. Uh, I remember logo Daedalus. He had a theory like Malta Half was really like, million people. That's not, that's, that's not, ain't very much. I mean, um, that's more people live in Austin than this country. And um, anyways, uh, Ever Logo, he had this, this is like where the Illuminati is. There's like the Knights of the Order of the Malta, and they've been there since the Middle Ages. But anyways, the interesting thing about the story, so it says Indrangheta and Cosa Nostra have like moved their headquarters there. That's where they're processing the heroin now. And like... <laughs> Even the mafia is outsourcing. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is like, those are like heavy players. And, and like used to, they could boss around Italy. They can't boss around Italy anymore. I would assume they could. I mean, these guys, these are like scary fellows. And you're like, if you're the mayor, dog catcher of, you know, Malta, um, these fellows are scary. I don't know. They could, anyways, it's interesting. They could turn this into, uh, you know, planet mafia country. 
I don't like it would be like how would the EU respond to this, especially in the current crisis? I don't know. It could be it's it's an interesting story there. Yeah, because I mean the thing consistently with the EU is you really if they kick a country out of the EU, it, it just destabilizes the whole union. That's why these countries like Hungary will always play chicken with them because like the the whole like kicking a country out destroys the whole purpose of it in the first place. You know what I mean? Like the the jig is up at that point. Yeah, I mean so uh, you know. It's it's not I'm, I'm sure it it's not easy. You can't buy off the Italian government. Maybe at one point you could buy off the Sicilian government. You could buy off the the Malta government. Unless there's something I don't know. I mean, it's a rinky dink place. I've seen it. You it's like you you go there and you look at the the uh the fort and shit like that. Um I don't know, man. A lot of history in Malta though. If you're a medieval history person, Malta's the place to be. Yeah. Anyways, that's it. All right. Uh, anything to show, Fredo? Nothing. Now we, and uh, I know, I know, uh, Uncle Bog Beef said we were going to get a, a regular episode out last week, but uh, there was a hurricane, so that's an excuse for that. We're going to have, at the very least, next files episode. We're we're we have planned an interview too, so you should be getting some. We should be getting some more content out soon, barring I've- another act of God. I, I'm a podcaster, not a writer, and uh, I have a deadline tonight. It's it's done, but I need to work on it some more of a article. Um, I've I've got I know what the episode we want we want to do, and so we we've got an old old timey uh, me and Merrick episode coming. Um, it'll be it'll be great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming out, everybody. Making their way.